Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, in other words, we have a complex, we have complex layers of bands called Recorded fascia live. that form really a unified network. Well, again, the anatomy trains people um, say this. They say fascia is part of the whole picture and is less studied than our muscles and our nerves. That's interesting, huh? It's sort of like going out to study the galaxy, but then you're only focusing on one planet, you know? Well, let's talk about the collagen for a minute. The word collagen is usually referred to our skin cells. You know, dermatologists refer to it, and it's also referenced in co- the cosmetic industry when they're selling the benefits of, like, wrinkle creams. However, it is an essential part of the fascia, the band network, and it's highly sensitive to touch. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, everybody thought it was the nerve endings in the skin. Well, it is, but also this fascia network encompasses a lot of those blood vessels and nerve endings, so it is sensitive to touch. So there are interconnectivity cells in the fascia network itself, and according to bodywork experts, the sensitivity goes deeper than we thought. So sports medicine physicians know. They know the value of massage therapy to heal athletic injury. So touch can heal. It can decrease pain and also improve sleep. So the right pressure influences heart rate, breathing, and blood pressure. And the sensation of touch in the fascia network affects the production of dopamine and serotonin in the brain, also stimulates the immune system to make more killer T cells. Way cool. All right, and this is probably why skin brushing is popular. Um, Health experts have recommended um, the benefits of skin brushing because it stimulates the brain and our immune system. So if you use a soft bristle bristle brush or a loofah, um, you can brush the skin. You can either brush the skin dry or in the shower when you're wet. And this can trigger the power of the fascia network and also the lymphatic system, which is really another part of the immunity. So if you're going to use skin brushing, uh, always brush up towards the heart, okay? All right, now let's talk about human stability because as the anatomy trains people pointed out to modern medicine, you really can't just look at muscle on bones or joints because it will not explain a complete picture of human stability and movement. So we need to keep this in mind the next time we see orthopedic physicians or pain specialists. So, you know, there's some herbs out there that can really benefit us with our skin, our muscle, bone, connective tissue, these, these fascia bands that kind of keep us all in balance. Um, you know, since fascia network of fibers is composed of collagen cells, we can use herbs that promote healthy collagen. So when we do this, we provide a more flexible fascia network, and you can protect ourselves from a myriad of other health problems. 
So as we age, it's even more important that we have strong, flexible, supportive fascia networks in our body to protect our organs, to protect our joints, and to help prevent us from falling down and breaking bones. And, you know, my favorite herbs to use for collagen building for strong bones, uh, muscle and connective tissue is oat straw, lobelia, comfrey root, and horsetail herb. Yeah, not horseradish, horsetail herb. And these herbs contain um, uh, mucilaginous compounds that strengthen the skin, the bones, the ligaments, the tendons, the muscles, the whole band network that is called fascia. So let's say if you break a bone, actually these herbs are really great. It helps the body, um, helps the bone knit properly and in less time. Uh, Native American Indians knew that. They, they would call one of those herbs, it was comfrey, they called it bone knit because it would help bones heal properly. So having a strong fascia network can also help prevent prolapsed organs like bladder, bowel, and uterus. So you're going to find these collagen-rich herbs in the calcium formula. The folks at Apothecary Herbs make that. It's an all-organic whole food liquid that you can put the dose in juice or water. And most people who use this formula find that they notice strengthening within just a few months. So you can call Apothecary Herbs and order or ask about their calcium formula, and you can discover more power. Yeah. Call now, and uh, their order number is 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. Now, if you're outside the U.S., dial 704-885-0277. And, of course, their website is thepowerherbs.com, thepowerherbs.com. And that's where your health care options just became endless puts power back in your hands. That's what it's all about. It's empowering. Also, you'll find um, they have a full line of immune-boosting, organ-cleansing products. They're all organic to till standards, very high quality. And uh, take advantage of their Labor Day special that's on now. You'll save 15% uh, on orders of $50 or more now through Labor Day. Uh, so it expires on the 5th. So uh, you can use the code LABDAY and the number 16, L-A-B-DAY-1-6. It is on the home page. You want to cut and paste that into the cart. Or if you don't do the website, no problem. When you call, you can always say, I want to take advantage of the Labor Day special and get the discount. So thepowerherbs.com, because if you're serious about herbs, you need apothecary herbs. Yep, you'll discover the difference. It's a big game changer when you get certified organic whole food going. Yep, that's a real supplement for you right there. All right, um, I got a few minutes before the break, uh, but don't forget if you're on the website, do sign up for the newsletters. Uh, we have the American Survival Newsletter that goes out on Tuesday. That's today. And then the Health Quest goes out on Friday. Both newsletters are getting a little bit of a facelift, a little bit of a makeover on their format. So if you are already a subscriber and you notice there's a change, that's what it is. So a little bit of a you know perk up there on the newsletter. So it is the same newsletter itself as far as content, uh, but it's just looking a little different in format. So you can sign up for free and get empowering information each and every week, and you just go to thepowerherbs.com and click on books and newsletters and sign up there. And the subscription is totally free, and you can share with your family and friends. Everybody does. 
And uh, you'll get neat things. You'll get hot links to certain things. And, um, you know, just uh, FYI, did you know about this? Uh, it all is empowering for your health and well-being, and I hope you do sign up. It's a really great idea to have that. All right, we're going to be talking about some of the algorithms science is using for the flu season and what that may mean, uh, you know, because health authorities and the government really – they try to examine and update their information to determine, you know, which influenza pathogen is going to be, you know, really bad during the flu season, and then they try to make a vaccine um, to counter that. And also they're using a lot of these algorithms not only to do that, but to determine the number of doses that they should give children six months to eight years of age. So there are two versions of flu vaccine. There's the attenuated influenza, which is the live vaccine, then there's the inactivated dead influenza vaccine. So each uh, fall, the flu vaccine you know, industry, the big campaign gets underway. Um, media outlets roll out all the hype and benefits of the vaccine. But if you've been listening to this show and if you've been doing your homework, you know, regardless of what we say here, you know the vaccines. Uh, the, the truth about them is a lot different than what you're hearing. Uh, from the media there. So uh, what should you know about these flu shots before you consider getting them? We're going to take a look um, for the second part of the show on this because we got the flu season right around the corner, and it's just a right or about the right time I start to get phone calls from people in the healthcare industry who don't want a flu shot. And what's up with that, right? I mean, they're in the industry that gives flu shots. Why wouldn't they want one? That should be a big uh, uh uh-oh red flag. And it is because they see on a out-and-out basis uh, adverse events when people get the shots, and they don't want to. They don't want to get the shot, so they call me and they go, "What do we do? What do we do?" It's like the Wizard of Oz and the Cowardly Lion holding his tail, going, "What do we do? What do we do?" I'm like, "There's a lot of things you can do. You can just stand up and say no." But I have some other tips. If you want the other tips, you have to hang with us through the break, um, and we're going to discover together. What other people don't know, what you're going to know. Good stuff. Blue shots, the stats, the viruses in the shots. What's up with the shots these days? What's in them and so forth and so on and how you can protect yourself. And uh, we're going we're gonna to be taking a break and we'll be right back. into the original medicine. Herbalist Wendy Wilson will be right back. Job stress, financial obligations, 
obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Your assignment is to find out what herb secrets herbalist Wendy Wilson has on Herb Talk Live. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. Go green. Herb Talk Live Green. Now with herbalist Wendy Wilson. Apothecary Herbs announces a brand new formula to help balance blood pressure from head to foot, strengthen your heart muscle, and reduce cholesterol. Now you have a professional strength alternative that works all without fear or worry of serious side effects. Empower yourself. Become independent from the expensive drugs. Call Apothecary Herbs and ask for heart, blood pressure, and cholesterol formula toll-free, 866-229-3663 or online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com. Heart, blood pressure, and cholesterol formula is just $24.95 and comes with a money-back guarantee. So get a pencil and write this down. Apothecary Herbs, toll-free, 866-229-3663, or on the web at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com.
before airtime. All right, we're going to be talking about flu season here. Let's look at some statistics real quick. Uh, according to WebMD, less than 20% of the U.S. population will get the flu each year. You know, more people get other diseases, which there aren't any vaccines for, uh, and those are epidemics. <laughs> the flu season's not an epidemic. So we're told about 200,000 people will seek medical treatment for the flu every flu season. The CDC says estimates the deaths from influenza are 3,000 to 49,000. They say the incubation for the flu is 10 days, and the key months uh, are from October to February. We talked about that um, the other day, uh, last last week, Thursday, I think. Yeah, it was uh, immune system foes. Uh, so if you want to see what suppresses immune system, go there. Um, but absolutely true, the uh, flu season does go from October to February, basically because it's an introduction to all the sugar in all our holidays, from Halloween to Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's to Valentine's Day. And we kind of put our immune system in a sugar coma, and it's lowered, and we tend to catch a lot of cold and flu bugs. But on with what the CDC is reporting. They say 156 million doses of the vaccine are given uh, or were given uh, last year for the flu season. Um, and last year, the flu season shot um, had the California H1N1 bird flu strain, the Texas H3N2 uh, strain, and the Massachusetts B influenza virus. So their primary function at the CDC is about vaccines, and therefore their statistics should be really challenged as they tend to promote the vaccine agenda. But, you know, if only 20% of the population actually get the flu vaccine, what about these numbers here? Uh, more people die from prescription medications using them properly than the flu. All right, let's look at the viruses that they tend to put in the flu shot. Um, so what could possibly be in there? Well, in the 2015 to 2016 flu season, the CDC reported that they would have the bird flu H1N1 from the California A strain. That was a 2009 flu epidemic, as well as the Switzerland A strain from 1997. And also inside was the Yamagata lineage virus, HA1. And so science believes that this Yamagata lineage virus from Handen, South China, is really a mutated flu virus which affected Wisconsin in 2010 and Florida in 2006. Now, the fourth virus that they put in the vaccine was the Australian Bisbane Victoria B strain from 2013. So we're looking at a standard quadrivalent that's for flu vi vaccines, viruses there, flu vi four flu viruses in the vaccine, I'll get it out, 
Um, uh, but basically, a lot of times it's just three strains, but now we've gone to four strains. So according to um, science, the, the quadrivalent vaccine contains four strains of virus, uh, usually two in the A strain and two in the B strain when you're looking at pathogens. And these types of vaccines are different for selected age groups. For instance, the nasal flu spray is usually given to children two years uh, of age to adults 49 years of age. And the CDC is recommending that those under 65 should get a high-dose flu shot uh, and those younger than 18 or older than 64 get the intradermal flu shot. And the difference is the intradermal is injected into the skin only and, and, but not into the muscle. And they are uh, given with a 90% smaller needle, supposedly uh, have 40% less antigen in them. And uh, they use the um, killed, not live, uh, flu virus in the intradermal shots. And oddly enough, the intradermal vaccine costs more than the traditional um, vaccine. Now, the CDC is admitting that regardless of which vaccine you take, there's a small risk of harm or death. They report normal reactions to be redness and tenderness at the injection site, headaches, muscle aches, tiredness, runny nose, fever, uh, which usually they say resolved is in a week. Well, that's kind of like the flu, I think, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds like the flu to me, which usually runs its course in about a week. So let me get this straight. You're going to take a flu vaccine, so you don't get the flu, but then the flu vaccine gives you symptoms of the flu for about a week. Does this make sense? Um, it sounds like you get influenza with the vaccine. And I know Dr. Anthony Norris said, you know, and Dr. Rebecca Carley have said uh, numerous times, you know, instead of thinking uh, you're getting uh, injected with, you know, a vaccine, you know, to protect you from disease, you should think about the fact that you're getting injected with disease, and this is what's happening. So they report normal reactions is, you know, flu, flu symptoms, and other less common but severe reactions can occur, and according to the CDC, the vaccine manufacturer, uh, you should avoid any flu vaccine if you're allergic to eggs, if you have asthma, if you have Guillain-Barre syndrome, or have prior experience of anaphylactic shock with vaccines, or you're taking an autoimmune suppressant drug. Uh, and by the way, if you have Guillain-Barre syndrome and you happen to be under medical care, it doesn't mean that they won't try to give you a flu vaccine. They're stupid. A lot of these people are stupid in medicine. And they will try to give you a flu vaccine anyway. Dumb. All right, now, with regards to pregnancy, the vaccine, they give it to pregnant women they say only when necessary, and they never use the live virus. You know, there was a time where you never gave vaccines to pregnant women because it had neurological risks to the baby, and it still does. Okay, neurologists tell pregnant women, don't get any vaccines. So they're given the killed but not live virus to pregnant women, um, and they have never evaluated flu vaccines if you're a nursing mother. So if they have, they have no idea what a uh, flu virus is going to do if you're nursing the baby. So, you know, if they say, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine, don't believe that. 
you have to have proof that it won't hurt you or your baby. Uh, now, the FDA has approved of the flu vaccine, Afuria. Uh, it's made by BioCSL Inc. out of Pennsylvania, manufactured in Australia, though. Okay. Uh, according to the CDC, for the 2015-16 flu season, children six months of age to eight have to receive two flu shots compared to the previous year of just one shot. Oh, boy. So they state that the reason is there were changes made to the viral composition of the vaccine itself, and they report that the two doses will not compromise a child's immune system. I beg to differ. So they based this on a 2010 study in which 10 to 24-month-old children were given one dose in uh, the fall compared to children 6 to 24 months given the two shots to improve antibody response, and they reported no adverse events uh, when two shots were given. Well, that's a real small sample of kids, and not everybody's the same. I I wouldn't want to risk it, personally. That's just me. Do your homework on anything that they inject into you, please. Um, Now, a professor of genetics, Dr. Mark Greer, uh, he reports on some of the side effects. Um, He says he reports that there's a lot of fraud behind vaccines, especially flu vaccine. So he's an expert he's an expert in vaccine safety. He reports that there is poison in the vaccine and the body reacts, causing the Gillian Barre syndrome. Additionally, he says that the vaccine offers no protection against getting the flu. So here is something Dr. Greer reported and the CDC breaks the law with regard to vaccines by waiving long-term safety tests on the vaccines. So there's law in place, but they're ignoring it. Sort of like, you know, we got border laws, but they're ignoring border laws. So he says that it's clinically impossible to evaluate a safety of a vaccine in three weeks on very small samples, and it's essentially experimenting with people's lives. He points out that the pharmaceutical companies and the health authorities distribute and administer 300 million flu vaccines annually, netting them billions of dollars. Dr. Greer goes on to state that changing the vaccine each year makes it impossible to test for efficiency. And he says that it is a medical fact that very few people die of influenza. So the industry spends more resources, he says, on flu vaccines than it does on real solutions for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. And uh, also 20 million vaccines for childhood diseases distributed annually annually compared to 300 million, compared to the 300 million flu vaccines. So, you know, if you want, yeah, there's an interview by Dr. Greer. It's um, it's up on the Internet. Uh, You can go to... um, healthimpactnews.com and pull it up there. Um, You can look for um, why healthy people are dying from the flu after getting a flu shot. Mm -hmm. He'll give it to you straight. Now, um, the vaccine industry, uh, well, the agenda, well, it's really a global issue. If you look at the agencies uh, that are mandating vaccines for broader age groups, with unsubstantiated claims, scientific claims, you see that it's quite a list. It's the CDC, it's the FDA, it's the WHO, it's the NIH, it's UK's NHS, it's MHRA and DOH, which is Australia's, uh, Canada's Health Canada, 
to mention a few. Uh, and don't forget the Gates Foundation. So you see the alphabet soup here, uh, all promoting vaccines that really have no scientific testing because Dr. Anthony Morris uh, blew the lid off that when he was the chief virologist for the FDA. Of course, they ruined his career, but uh, he spoke the truth. God bless the man. Um, all right, so Dr. David Rosenthal, he's director of Harvard University's Health Services. He says people don't necessarily die, per se, of the flu virus. What they die of is a secondary condition called pneumonia. This is true, right? All right, here's a study. We're going to look at a study. Um, uh, it's really important. This is an important study that usually, well, it got ignored, basically, but it sheds a lot of light on it. Um, it was scientific research done in 2013. It was a team of microbiologists at Bethesda, Maryland, at the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, and they found that when they took animals and they were vaccinated with the flu vaccine, they found that they suffered more. They became infected with influenza, and they all, researchers also stated that the flu vaccines didn't prevent the disease, but it, uh, it should, in theory, help the body produce antibodies for protection, but it doesn't. So the research showed that those who got vaccinated were less healthy than those who got a placebo, and those vaccinated proved to be five and a half times more um, uh, ill. They had more respiratory illness, five and a half times more respiratory illness. They also said the vaccinated group contracted influenza at 100%, whereas the unvaccinated did not get the flu. The vaccinated group also had 26% more cases of the common cold, 160% more cases of various viruses, including polio, and 30% more cases of contracting respiratory-type viruses. And the group, which was vaccinated, had an overall increased health risk of 18.5%. Then there was this other study from Canada in 2014. The researchers there showed that whoever got the flu shot from 2008 to 2009, they were more likely to become infected with a pandemic virus in, um, in the future, uh, the shot compared to those that didn't get vaccinated. Isn't that interesting that they track that part? Um, now, the team of researchers also, they said several provinces in Canada had different results materialize. Um, certain jurisdictions in Canada opted not to offer seasonal flu vaccines that year. And so the U.S. health authorities argued that it was um, a rare Canadian issue uh, that those people didn't get the flu. <laughs> right. So if regular influenza can, on average, increase your risk of illness 5.5% to 18.5%, what would happen if more a more deadly strain of influenza appeared in your flu vaccine? And you know, and you're not just getting one virus; you're getting four of them. And A and B strains. What's with that? I mean, you wouldn't normally encounter that in in the world, you know, naturally. Um, let's talk about the Spanish flu. Um, the deadly Spanish flu, um, you know, they, they've re-evaluated re, um, that. They resurrected it from the graves of people up in the permafrost. So they have that in the lab, and they can, they can put that in anything if they want. Um, 
they put that in an annual flu shot. That's a creepy thought, you know. The likelihood of that happening could be closer than you think. Scientists report that they have been successful at replicating the Spanish flu. Professor Yarohiro Kawaka of the University of Wisconsin-Madison says his research is essential for the development of future vaccines as a pandemic countermeasure. So Professor Kawaka minimized the risk of his deadly strain of Spanish flu by reaffirming uh, that the researchers know what they're doing. Uh, here's what Dr. Robert Coulter, professor of microbiology at Harvard Medical School, says. He says the scientist doing this work on the Spanish flu he's referring to is so immersed. They are they are so immersed in their own self-aggrandizement that they have become completely blind to the irresponsibility of their acts. Their arguments in favor of such work like increased ability for surveillance to remain as, uh, they remain as weak as ever. He says they're just weak excuses for taking such risks with everybody's welfare. Think about that. So we could one day encounter a report, unsubstantiated or not, that there is a Spanish flu outbreak and the pharmaceutical companies all of a sudden just have developed this vaccine against it. So, would you roll up your sleeves and let them give you a vaccine for the Spanish flu? Probably if you you would if you were, you know, you know, buying into the fear-mongering from the media. Uh, would you risk your life? Forget for a moment that there is a vaccine injury court that pharmaceutical companies are exempt from any damage due to their vaccine. Because as mentioned before, the CDC estimates flu mortality rates. They estimate them. They 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 put in in that flu category um, pneumonia and uh, other respiratory diseases. It's not just influenza. They're they're quoting you there. So if we check the 2010 National Vital Statistics System for the United States, we find an annual mortality rate from influenza to be 500 deaths. Not 3,000 or 50,000, it's 500. And that's a big difference, isn't it? Uh, You can drive yourself crazy with the mortality statistics as some sources state different rates. For instance, the standard mortality rate for influenza in 1919 was 2.5%. Today, we're expected to believe it's 45 to 50%. And that would mean 150 million people die each year. And get this, the statistics on the mortality for the Spanish flu are comparatively low 7%. So few sources are willing to report global rates as if they are known. And you want to keep in mind that people, they're said to have died from flu, were not, you know, they weren't cultured to prove it was the flu. It's just assumed to be the flu. The British Medical Journal in 2005 stated that U.S. flu death figures were more PR than actual science, which could explain why doctors don't get the flu shot. Yeah, doctors don't like getting the flu shot. This is a problem. You know, if they're mandating keep your job, you got to get your flu shot, which is why my phone rings around this time each year. What do you have against the flu vaccine? Is there a way to reverse it? Well, yes, there is, actually. I know, I know a few things. 
Um, now, Dr. Greer is right. More people are dying from heart disease. That's over, almost 600,000 people. More people are dying from cancer, again, almost 600,000. And diabetes, about 70,000 people than from influenza. So what's the deal that they're mandating a flu shot for folks in certain occupations? Yeah. So actually, more people seem to die from ulcers, about 3,000, hernias, about 1,800, and pregnancy and childbirth, about 900, than from the flu. And the CDC, however, puts all respiratory infections into the influenza-associated death stat. Um, so there are too few numbers of deaths by flu, so they add in, um, you know, respiratory, COPD, asthma, pneumonia, uh, bronchitis, pneumococcus. So you may be wondering um, why there's an aggressive push for flu vaccines driven each year. Well, it's greed. It's a deliberate attempt, I think, to hurt people, suppress their immune system. You know, it's sick. It really is. It's diabolical. I mean, there's a special place for them. So I pray every day that God gives you enlightenment, wisdom, and discernment when you are looking at health treatments. Always ask yourself, is this going to make me stronger and independent or weak and dependent? And think about how we were created and what the creator wanted for us. You know, um, Dr. Morris said, you know, you don't get an infection through an artificial infection through the eye and muscular through a vaccine. That's so artificial and abnormal. Um, it, 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 it shocks your immune system and it thinks the disease is supposed to be in the blood. So it doesn't create an antibody. And it actually suppresses immune system. So... This is what he learned after digging up 10 years of scientific research on vaccines. He found them all to be fraudulent and a hoax. And he said so in 1976 on the Phil Donahue show and begged people not to get the swine flu vaccine. It was just, you know, designed for pig farmers and they didn't want it. So the pharmaceutical industry was pushing it on humans. So they created a fake epidemic back in 76. You see the MO, they're still doing that stuff, Right. Zika. How fast did a Zika vaccine come out of Canada? Bam! As soon as it started happening in Brazil. Look at there. We got a Zika vaccine. Well, they've been developing that for a while. I mean, contriving the whole thing. Uh, so everyone decides for themselves that they want to believe the CDC and their doctor or if they want to go do the homework themselves and expose the scientific fraud. And it's your health. You decide. God said herbs are here for the service of man. There are herbs for pandemics, by the way. There are herbs that inhibit, inhibit the Ebola hemorrhagic fever virus. So he didn't leave you defenseless. No, no, no. So check out the pandemic kit at thepowerherbs.com. They have the power herb kits. They have the pneumonia kits. They have immune boosters. They have things that will empower you. So you don't have to, you don't have to be worried about the flu season. Plus... Plus, there is a way to reverse a flu vaccine if you want to know. You have to call me. And um, call the folks at Apothecary Herbs, and uh, they'll let you in on that secret. Nurses and doctors are finding out all over the place. And it costs you, what, 50 bucks 
to get it. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So uh, check it out, thepowerherbs.com. Give them a call, 866-229-3663, The Power Herbs. Put the power back in your hands. Don't forget it. And um, God's herbs are here for the service of man, and we all know he can't lie. Yep, he can't. So thepowerherbs.com. Check it out. Don't forget, Labor Day special, say 15% on orders over $50. So uh, that ends on Monday, Labor Day coming up. So uh, check it out and save. Get healthy and save. Thepowerherbs.com. 866-229-3663. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease. So seek medical advice from a licensed medical physician if you dare or you think any product is there. I'm your Wendy Wilson. Until next time, be well. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve 
preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Welcome to the Covenanters Call. This is Pastor Mike Hoover, and we are broadcasting live from hot and muggy southern Indiana, and we welcome you to the program this evening. We're our Bible call-in question and answer program. Uh, give us a holler here at American Voice Radio this evening. If you'd like to, that free call-in number is 1-800-932-1980. That's 1-800-932-1980. Or if you'd like to call us up on that local number, that's 541 541- Eight two six zero nine five three five four one eight two six zero nine five three. We appreciate all the folks that are in the chat room. We do have a a new chat room set up here at American Voice Radio. We encourage you to come and join in. There's about a half a dozen of us in there this evening, and the conversation is just invigorating. So we encourage you to come in and be a part of that. And I do appreciate everybody that's tuned in to the broadcast this evening. Let me begin this evening by making a couple of announcements. First of all. I uh, appreciate if you would uh, put on your calendar a uh, family camp that's coming up in the month of September, begins September the 19th. That is a Monday night, runs through that following Friday at noon, and that's at Faith Baptist Church in Edderville, Missouri. 
That's about 20 miles west of Jeff City. And Pastor Shea Carpenter and the people of Faith Baptist Church have family camp there every year. This will be about the 10th year uh, that we have been able to attend. We're looking forward to it. There's always lots of great preaching there. Um, It is uh, an all-day event, and there are plenty of places for you to pitch your tent, bring in your motor home, whatever you'd like to come and stay in. Uh, There are showers available. There are bathroom areas available there as well, bathrooms, I should say. And uh, they'll feed you, believe it or not. Now, what we like to do anytime we're a part of uh, that family camp is we always try our best to make sure uh, that we take some uh, uh, money there to help pay for some groceries and do a lot of the things that need taken care of during the camp week. But uh, we just invite you to come. If you'd like more information about that, then you please just contact me, if you would, and uh, we will give that to you. That's only three weeks away. Then also, appreciate if you'd be praying for Pastor Keith Hoover and myself. Uh, the first full weekend of October this year, uh, we will be up right outside of Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be preaching a family camp up there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Looking forward to a great time in the Lord. If you happen to be up in that part of the country, uh, then we would love to meet you. Love to have you come and fellowship with us and uh, give you that opportunity. We do appreciate the opportunities that we are given. Uh, last time we were on the radio, and I appreciate uh, Brother Jason filling in for us. Uh, we had some last-minute things take place, found ourselves last week in a bad spot, not only for uh, the Internet, but also for cell service, and uh, he gladly jumped in there. We were talking about the fact that Christianity today is pretty much, I should say, not just Christianity, the church itself, religion. Maybe that broader term would be more applicable here. But religion itself has become nothing more than an entertainment. Uh, People go to get entertained. They don't go to hear the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, They certainly don't go to hear anybody tell them uh, that they've got problems that they need to be straightening out, uh, that they might have sin in their lives. They go to be entertained. I want you to know tonight, friends, that true Christianity is gasping for breath. Now, you can get a religious phrase kicked around almost anywhere, right in the middle of a worldly program dedicated to the world. The flesh and the devil. Old mammon, with two silver dollars for eyes, sits at the top of it, lying about the quality of the products and shamelessly praising actors who ought to be put to work laying bricks in the middle of it. Someone will say with a very well-meaning voice, trained in a studio to sound religious, Now, our hymn for the week. So they break in, the band goes twinkle, 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 and they sing something that the devil probably even himself blushes to hear, and they call that religion. I will admit that, all right. But friends, it isn't salvation. And it truly isn't Christianity, and it isn't the Holy Spirit. It isn't New Testament, and it isn't redemption. It's simply making capital out of religion for a price. Now, let me ask you a question tonight, friends. Why should believing Christians want everything pre-cooked and pre-digested and sliced and salted and accept that God or expect that God must come and help us eat and hold the food to our baby lips while we pound the table? We think that's Christianity? Folks, it's not. It is a degenerate, bastard breed that has no right to be called Christianity. Anyone who needs to be chucked under the chin all the time to keep him happy and satisfied is in pretty bad shape spiritually. He cannot be satisfied without a visit 
from the latest gospel peddler who promises cowbells and maybe a musical handsaw and a lot of other novelties. Religious fiction, fiction excuse me, makes use of the moral or immoral to interest the reading public. The paper-thin excuse being that if romance and religion are woven into a story, then the average person would not read a purely religious book, but will read the story and thus be exposed to the gospel. Well, friends, leaving aside the fact that most modern religious novelists are home talent amateurs, scarcely one of whom is capable of writing a single line of even fair literature, the whole concept behind the religio-romantic novel is unsound. The impulses and the sweet, deep movings of the Holy Spirit are diametrically opposed to each other. The notion that Eros can be made to serve as an assistant of the Lord, of, of glory, is nothing more than outrageous. The Christian film that seeks to draw customers by picturing love scenes in its advertising is completely false to the religion of Jesus Christ. Only the spiritually blind will be taken in by it. Now, friends, one of the very greatest calamities which sin has brought upon us is the debasement of our normal emotions. We laugh at things which are not funny. We find pleasure in acts which are beneath our human dignity. And we rejoice in objects which should have no place in our affections. The objection to sinful pleasures, which has been characteristic of the true saint, is at bottom simply a protest against the degradation of our human emotions. That gambling, for instance, should be allowed to engross the interests of men made in the image of God has seemed like a horrible perversion of noble powers. That alcohol should be necessary to stimulate the feeling of pleasure has seemed like a kind of prostitution. That men should turn to the theater for enjoyment has seemed an affront to the God who placed us in the midst of a universe charged with high dramatic action. The world's artificial pleasures are all but evidence, friends, that the human race has to a large extent lost its power to enjoy the true pleasures of life and is forced to substitute for them false and degrading thrills. We hear that some fellow can whistle through his teeth. Someone else has marvelous talent for impromptu to composition of poetry. Some musicians are talented players and singers. Others are talented talkers. So in this realm of religious activity, talent runs the church. A Christian congregation can survive and often appear to prosper in the community by the exercise of human talent and without any touch from the Holy Spirit. But it is simply religious activity. And dear friends, those dear people will not know anything better until the great and terrible day when our self-employed talents are burned with fire and only what was wrought by the Holy Spirit will stand. I'm not interested, friends. I'm not interested in that church which brings somebody in from the outside and says, will you come and perform for us? Can you imagine a pastor bringing a clown and saying to the clown, now come, clown into the holy place. Be reverent now and do it for Jesus' sake. Well, friends, I'd walk many miles to keep from seeing him or hearing him, and I wouldn't walk one inch to see him, and I wouldn't give one dime to support him. All of this extra scriptural claptrap that 
has been dragged into the church in recent times grieves the Holy Spirit. Those Christians who belong to the evangelical wing of the church, which I firmly believe is the only one anymore that even approximates New Testament Christianity, have over the past half century shown an increasing impatience with invisible and eternal things and have demanded and got a host of things visible and temporal to satisfy their fleshly appetites. Without biblical authority or any other right under the sun, carnal religious leaders have introduced a host of attractions that serve no purpose except to provide entertainment for the retarded saints. You see, it's now common practice in most churches to offer the people, especially the young people, a maximum of entertainment and a minimum of serious instruction. It's scarcely impossible, or excuse me, I should say it's scarcely possible in most places to get anyone to attend a meeting where the only attraction is God. One can only conclude that God's professed children are bored with him, for they must be wooed to meeting with a stick of striped candy in the form of religious movies and games and refreshments. This has influenced the whole pattern of church life and even brought into being a new type of church architecture designed to house, if you please, the golden calf. So we have the strange anomaly of orthodoxy in creed and heterodoxy in practice. The striped candy technique has been so fully integrated into our present religious thinking that it is simply taken for granted. Its victims never dream that it is not a part of the teachings of Christ nor his apostles. Any objection to the carryings on of our present golden calf Christianity is met with a triumphant reply, but we are winning them. My question is this, and winning them to what? To true discipleship? To cross-carrying? To self-denial? To separation from the world? To crucifixion of the flesh? To holy living? To nobility of character? to a despising of the world's treasures, to hard self-discipline, to love for God, to total commitment to Christ? And unfortunately, and of course, the answer to all these questions is no. Thanks, friends, to our splendid Bible societies and to other effective agencies for the dissemination of the Word, there are today many millions of people who hold right opinions probably more than ever before in the history of the church. Yet I wonder if there was ever a time when true spiritual worship was at a lower ebb. To great sections of the church, the art of worship has been lost entirely. And in its place has come that strange and foreign thing called the program. This word has been borrowed from the theater and applied with sad wisdom to the type of public service which now passes for worship among us. You know, friends, when you stop and think about these things, if you are truly a child of God, there's a tendency, if you allow yourself, to become discouraged, to think that maybe I'm the only one. We're reminded of how Moses must have felt on the backside of the desert for 40 years as he uh, uh, served his uh, service to his uh, family. Uh, father-in-law, the man that would become his father-in-law, and work with the flocks and 
until that day, one day, when he looked up and saw a burning bush and God approached him. Most people feel like, you know, that Old Testament prophet, that one that named Elijah, that felt like he was the last one on the face of the earth. You ever feel that way? Well, let me, by way of encouragement, share something with you this evening then. I want you to know that God always has a remnant. You see, friends, today the heat of temptation and compromise is, is many times hotter than it was a generation ago. For example, Satan has rigged the entire technology of our age, and he has corrupted it with seduction and sensuality and lust and temptation. Let me ask you a question, friend. Why do we face such a white-hot furnace of temptation today? Why are the immoral things of life being used to sell every conceivable kind of product? Why are there hundreds of websites on the Internet where one can go where one should not? And this question is most important. Who is the target of this flood of filth that permeates our society? Friends, it isn't the secular world. Because the secular world has already been seduced by it. No, you see, Satan's target is none of these. Rather, Satan has manipulated the media to snare the hearts of overcoming Christians. He wants to weaken and destroy the testimony of the gospel. Now, right now, the furnace is, furnace, I should say, is being heated seven times over in the lives of many that believe on Christ as their Savior. Satan has created situations in their homes. He has created situations on their jobs. He has created situations in their relationships that are more intense than ever before. And many once strong Christians are giving up. Many once strong Christians are quitting on God. They no longer pray for help. Instead, they think like this, my trial is too intensive for me to survive. We're reminded of the words of Cain in the first few chapters of the book of Genesis as he faced the judgment of God for killing his brother Abel. My burden is greater than I can bear. That comes out of the mouth of the average Christian today. In Daniel chapter 3, God turned the devil's scheme into an opportunity to expose the whole nation of Babylon to his, God's, testimony. Because the three young men would not bow, the Lord delivered them. And they brought to the nation a clear manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what it must have been like that day on the plains when that fancy rock band played their tune and a command from the king himself was that everyone should bow before his image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, as they were named, would not bow. Oh, the king was upset. Oh, he was furious. I encourage you to read Daniel chapter 3 and, and read the entire story. But these young men would not bow and were honorable to the moment they were cast into the furnace. He heated it seven times hotter. He was going to make a spectacle, an example, 
of these three young men that refused to bow and yield to him the civil authority of his day, the most powerful man on the face of the earth at that point in history, the king. And they refused to bow. Boy, I wish I could have been there. I'm thankful that the Lord saw fit to record it in his word so that we can read the story. But these three young men, they were cast into that furnace by some of the greatest warriors that Nebuchadnezzar had in his army. The fire was so hot that the Bible says those great soldiers were destroyed and lost their lives as they threw those three young men in. The Bible says Nebuchadnezzar looked inside. He must have been a great distance off to avoid the heat. But he asked a question of the wise men and counselors that were around him. He said, uh, I thought we threw three guys in there. They said, we did, King. He said, I see four in there, and the fourth man looks like the Son of God. Did you ever wonder how Nebuchadnezzar would know what God looked like? The Bible says when those three young men came out after the king called them, that there was not even the smell of smoke on their clothing, that their hair was not singed, that the restraints that had been placed upon them had been burned away, and their skin was just as it had been before they were thrown in. God did that for those young men because they refused to bend and bow. How many have I known down through the years, and maybe you have known, listening friend, of those that have called themselves patriots. I stand for America. I believe in the red, white, and blue. Nobody's ever going to make me whatever. That in recent times have changed. They've gone on back, back on what they said they believed. It became too difficult for them. Maybe we didn't understand their circumstance. Maybe it was because they'd said everything they thought of to say, and yet they'd never really done any of the things they'd suggested that you and I do. How far are you going to stand, friend? What are you going to take? These young men stood. The king of Babylon testified there in Daniel 3, verses 24 and 25, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? He said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Quickly, the king nullified his first decree of idol worship and issued this new decree. Verse 29, the same chapter. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dung hill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. My friends, it all happened because of the testimony of three men. Righteous lovers of God who were willing to lay down their lives in faith. See, that's where they were different from so many. There are lots of people that preach on the radio. There are lots of people that listen in, that talk about everything they're going to do and, and, and talk a great big talk. But when it gets down to living it, they don't do it. Things are not 
are going, excuse me, to get hot economically, friends. Things are going to get hot physically. Things are getting hot mentally and spiritually and in every other way. But God has already put his hand on separated, godly men and women in every place. And his gospel will be preached as a testimony. We're told in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are, all, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're about to go to break here in just a moment on the Covenanters call. But friend, let me ask you, are you a part? Are you a part of those that God has? Are you a part of the remnant? Are you just part of that group of braggadocious talkers that talks a big talk, but when the rubber meets the road, you turn the other way and run? You hightail it. You put on your jogging shoes and you get out of there. You see, we're coming to a time, and it's already here in many instances in this country, where God gives us an opportunity to stand. You going to stand? I don't know what we're going to do. The Muslims are coming. They're here, friend. What are you going to do when you have an opportunity to stand? Are you going to do it? You see, that's what it gets down to. If you're part of that remnant of God and not part of that group that just wants to be entertained, then you're going to do something about it. I think I hear the pipes. You stay tuned now for the second half of the Covenanters Call. vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Welcome back to the Covenanters Call. Once again, I'd love to hear from you this week. You can write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. You can drop me an email. Hey, those are free. I'd love to hear from some of you. Uh, That email address is themuggyon, T-H-E-M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N, at cleanenter.com. That's C-L-E-A-N-I-N-T-E-R dot net. Or give us a phone call. That number is 812-653-5578. Let me take an opportunity as well uh, to encourage you to be a supporter of American Voice Radio. You have that opportunity on the main page of the website. By the way, I've uh, got some new stuff going here. It's been going on for a while, but I'm just now mentioning it. Mentioning it. 
But uh, I guess there's an ability now or soon coming an ability where uh, you can watch uh, these uh, programs if they have been recorded on YouTube. And uh, you have to talk to Frank about that, check in on that stuff. But that's right there on the main page of the website as well. Lots of good products. Um, I encourage you to take advantage of the store there. As I mentioned before, my wife and I have one of the little water distillers. We have used it, oh, my soul, probably six or seven years now. And almost every day I have it making distilled water. That's what we use Maker Coffee. And uh, it uh, it still runs just like the, the day we got it. does a great job. In about three and a half hours, we've got a gallon of distilled water. And uh, it's at a real good price there, as well as the rest of the products that are offered there. And uh, we encourage you to uh, take advantage of those. Also, encourage you to be listening for other programming. Uh, a lot more good programming going to be coming on this evening after the Covenanters call is over. Uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Western Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We're out here in the Eastern Time Zone. But uh, we in, in, encourage you to, to pay uh, close attention and be listening in. Remember, uh, remember a family camp, and also I'll try to mention, mention again at the end of the broadcast, uh, remember the uh, preaching that uh, Pastor Keith Hoover and I will be doing up there at uh, in right outside of Appleton, Wisconsin, be our first uh, chance that we've had to go up into that part uh, of the world. Let, let's talk about, <clears throat> we talk about uh, the remnant, we've talked about uh, lots of things that are going on, uh, and, and uh, let, let, let's talk a little bit uh, in the second half of the broadcast this evening about the sowing and the reaping principle. Uh, I want to share some comments with you from an article from January 15, 2014, uh, that deals with the immoral grip on a free society. A free society, friends, is in trouble when you see headlines quoting the occupant of the Oval Office telling his cabinet, and I quote, we're not just going to be waiting for legislation in order to make sure that we've provided Americans the kind of help they need. I've got a pen and I've got a phone, and I can use that pen to sign executive orders and take executive actions and administrative actions that move the ball forward in helping to make sure our kids are getting the best education possible, making sure that our businesses are getting the kind of support and help they need to grow and advance, to make sure that people are getting the skills that they need to get those jobs that our businesses are creating, end of quote. My friends, that's dictatorship. That is dictatorship. The results are a moral and economic bankrupt nation where the people Obama feigns supporting, in actuality, are the ones that suffer. There's still going to be Hawaii vacations that cost taxpayers Tens of millions, by the way, as of, as of November of last year. And you can check this out on the Internet. I may have mentioned this several weeks ago. As of November last year, uh, Mr. Obama and his family have spent on themselves tax dollar money, or taxpayer money, I should say. Nothing related to government. No government business involved. They have spent $1.3 billion, that's with a B, $1.3 billion on themselves and their party. Yeah, they're concerned about the little guy, aren't they? One point three. I read an article last week that said, beginning all the way back with Mamie Eisenhower. Mamie Eisenhower had one staff member that helped her. And Mamie and Ike paid out of their own pockets for that staff member. You come all the way through the first ladies, 
Every one of them had one after Mamie Eisenhower. Lady Bird Johnson, uh, Mrs. Reagan, uh, Mrs. Ford, uh, you name them. They all had one that was paid for with taxpayer money until you get to Hillary. Hillary had seven. Now remember, these women are not elected. They're to have no authority. They're simply the wife of the president. Things have changed, haven't they? Then after Hillary, the ladies between Hillary and Michelle all had one paid staff member. One. Michelle Obama has 22. 22. The top handful of them are paid over $100,000 a year each. Her total bill per year to the taxpayer for her staff, this is Michelle Obama, is well over $2 million a year. Taxpayer dollars. Her hairdresser goes with her everywhere. This is an unelected woman. She's not an elected official. Yet when she goes out and speaks in public, everyone who's an Oz over and thinks that we need to, oh, she's running this program and she's running that program. Show me that in the Constitution where that's the responsibility. The results are a moral and an economic bankrupt nation, as I said a moment ago. There'll still be Hawaii vacations that cost taxpayers tens of millions. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, it's over $1.3 billion. There's still going to be the expensive suits. There's still going to be the haughty high life. There's still going to be the limousines. There's still going to be the balls. This is evident in every third world dictatorship where evil men and their minions have been allowed to suck the lifeblood from the people that they're helping like the political parasites that they are. Friends, it's happening to America and has been right before our very eyes. There are headlines out there that show the results. Here's one. U.S. drops out of top 10 most economically free countries. Think about that. The immoral and amoral, or amoral, have secured a death grip on our free society. You've probably heard of a fellow by the name of Alexis de Tocqueville. He was a French aristocrat that came to America in the 1830s. And his purpose in coming was to observe what made the country so great. And he pointed out that the laws that governed the Plymouth Colony were derived from, oh my, Hebrew texts. In the, late 16, in the later 1600s, even the law of Connecticut stated that man shall not, quote, have or worship any other god but the Lord God. Wait a minute. Just the Lord God? Friends, according to the laws and the nature of early Americans, men and women who have the religious and political beliefs of most of our current leadership, listen to me, would have been forbidden 
to serve in that capacity, if not put to death for immorality. Why are we a moral and bankrupt nation? Well, Hosea 8, verse 7 tells us why, friends. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Friends, America's sowing to the wind began when the founders opted for a humanly inspired we the people law document in preference to the Holy Spirit inspired law of the Lord. Hundreds of thousands of federal and state laws have been enacted since the U.S. Constitution became the nation's law book. It has become the basis for an ever-evolving and expanding system of law. The year 2013 may have been the least productive year for Congress in history. At least that is in the terms of passing laws, fewer than 60 of which made it through the House and Senate and were signed by Barack Obama. Across the country, however, state lawmakers were busy getting more than 40,000 bills passed ones that tackled everything from drones to food stamp benefits. The Obama administration, made up for the lack of laws passed in Congress last year, issued issuing a whopping 3,659 rules and regulations, crushing claims that Washington isn't doing anything. Only 65 public laws were signed by Obama in 2013 meaning that his government issued an average of 56 new regulations for every new law. Obamacare laws, 381,000 words. The enforcement regulations, 11.5 million, million words. You see, friends, when a law is passed in Washington, that's only the first step. That says what the government wants enforced. What is actually enforced is not what Congress wrote. It is what the lawyers and the executive branch say the law means. Now take Obamacare. Please do. <laughs> take Obamacare. It's two laws. One short and one long. One short and one long. Combined, they take 381,571 words, or 17 words. That's 961 pages. And so far, the federal bureaucracy has issued over 11,500,000 words of enforcement regulations. Friends, that's 30 times longer than the law. There are 109 regulations. There will be more. They're growing almost every day. They've been published in the Federal Register. Each year, this publication publishes about 80,000 pages of three-column fine print pages. Congress virtually never sees these pages. They are the law of the land, not the original law. They say what people must do or not do, not the original law. Now listen to me very carefully. Talk about sowing the wind and reaping the whirlwind and the failure of our pulpits today. 
God-called pastors should be God's prophets declaring the truth of God's law. But alas, politicians and judges and educators have taken center stage and become America's false prophets as pastors, with a few exceptions, are now passive and silent as a tsunami whirlwind of immoral insanity and bankruptcy sweeps across the nation. Got your Bibles? Let's look at let's look at Psalms. Psalm ninety four and verse twenty. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, speaking of God, which frameth mischief by a law? Psalm eighty nine verse thirty. If his children forsook my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Proverbs 28, verse 4. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. See, one of the things we fail to remember, friends, is that words have meaning. Most people use words every day that they have no concept of the definition of. I encourage you to be a person that uses a dictionary. I prefer the old Webster 1828 edition myself. But let's talk about some words that are a result of this sowing and reaping of the whirlwind. Let's talk about the word murder. Murder is not a very pleasant word. Murder means the unlawful killing of one human by another, especially with premeditated malice. Murdered, murdering, murders to kill another human unlawfully, to kill brutally or inhumanely, to put an end to, destroy. The word matricide means the act of murdering one's own mother. Patricide or patricide means the act of murdering one's own father. The word infanticide is the act of murdering an infant. What is the word that should be used to define the act of murdering a baby in the mother's womb? Well, friends, abortion is the word commonly used to describe this act, but abortion is not the proper word. The word abortion comes from the Latin word abortrio, which means a mis miscarriage. Therefore, is the premature expulsion of a baby from the womb, it is a spontaneous miscarriage, definitely a tragedy, but certainly not a crime. Aborticide is the proper word to describe the willful act of destroying an unborn child. Aborticide comes from the Latin words abortus and sidium, which means to kill. Aborticide means the intentional destruction, murder, of a baby before birth. The pro-abortion crowd prefers the use of the word abortion because it does not necessarily imply murder. They'd like for everyone to think of the baby as a blob of tissue. And the removal of that blob of tissue is merely an innocent 
surgical procedure. The friend changing the words will not change the act. Now, why should you and I be concerned about this? Well, friends, aborticide has exceeded 60-plus million murdered babies since the infamous January 22, 1973 U.S. Supreme Court abortions on demand ruling was legal. We are witnessing in America a holocaust that rivals atrocities anywhere at any time in history, including Hitler's Germany and the annihilation of millions of Cambodians. Friends, Americans have embraced a doctrine and a culture of death. Now, we were told that abortions on demand made legal would do away with illegal, dangerous, induced abortions. Yet the experience in every country, including America, where abortions on demand became a legal right, is that illegal abortions increase rather than decrease. We were told in the days before the Supreme Court ruling, and I remember those days, I graduated in 1973 from high school. We were told before the Supreme Court ruling that abortion on demand would reduce child abuse. Instead, child abuse continues to increase astronomically, even though we have prevented the birth of 60-plus million babies in the past 40-some-odd years. We were told in the days before the U.S. Supreme Court legalized abortion on demand that we would have better sexual morality. But instead, we've had tremendous increases in the numbers of teenage pregnancies resulting from government education programs which deny a biblical moral code. Aborticide is presented as a backup contraceptive failure in this do-your-own-thing lifestyle. Pastors and Americans at large, with few exceptions, are indifferent and passive on the aborticide subject. The masses are dumbed down and numb to the fact that 4,000-plus babies are murdered every day in America via aborticide. Now, if if we're going to halt this carnage and prevent the next waves of destruction, infanticide, and euthanasia, this veil of apathy and silence has to be stripped away, friends. This must begin with repentance of our past sins. We're told in Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are inheritors of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. We're told in Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. We're told in Proverbs 24, in verse 11, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? Shall not he render to every man according to his works? Listen to these verses. Proverbs 28, verse 4. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. 
Friends, we've got bad things going on. Now the church, and I use that term loosely, is existing in a hostile legislative culture. You know, beginning in 1776, American churches were immune from government licensure and taxation and control. No, no zoning laws, no building permits or inspections. The church-owned land and buildings were non-taxable. But beginning in the 1960s, some state revenue departments began to test the waters and revise policies to increase their revenue coffers by novel schemes to tax churches. Taxing anything that's not directly related to, quote, worship, end of quote. By the way, they define worship. Things such as rooms and furniture and land and parking lots. The schemes failed, but now they're being revived in many jurisdictions. The power to tax is the power to destroy, wrote Supreme Court Chief Justice John Marshall back in 1819. For a unanimous court in McCullough versus Maryland. A state may tax anything it likes or doesn't like. The taxing power may be employed for regulatory purposes and not merely to raise revenue. As long as an exaction really functions as a tax, it can be used to accomplish policy ends, to induce, deter, or change conduct. And those ends can include any, excuse me, can include things the government otherwise would lack power to command directly. The power to tax is a freestanding power of government. Moreover, a tax is a tax. Within government's power to impose, regardless of what government calls it, a fee or a penalty. Wielded with skill or perhaps sinister finesse, government's power to tax is an enormous and fearsome power and subject to few limitations. Government has the power to tax and thereby to destroy. See, friends, one of the dearest things to churches is owning their own facilities. Most churches today start out in a living room or a school cafeteria or a daycare or a hotel conference room. And as they grow, they usually rent a facility with the hope of one day buying land and building their own facility. This dream is now under attack by hostile governments. Cash-strapped, many county governments have begun to look for ways to make churches pay property tax. And we don't have time this evening, but I could share with you a number of examples of what I'm talking about. You see, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is Lord of the church. He is the head of the body. That means that there is no authority over Jesus Christ when it comes to the things of the church. That makes us question why in the world a group of people that call themselves a church would ever place themselves under civil authority. I'm not talking about individually. We as individuals are under a certain amount of civil authority. But the church is a spiritual entity. Therefore, it is not. But what's happened is we've been more concerned about our property and protecting it and needing help to do so than we have been about what God says about it all. Therefore, we wanted limited liability. If little Johnny or little Susie came and played on the swing at church between services and hurt themselves, we don't want to be sued for it, so we want limited liability. We want tax-exempt gift status, and so on, and so on. And so the religious entities of our day have 501c3'd themselves. 
Friends, the true church has never been under the civil authority of the world. And if your church today is a 501c3, study your Bible, it's not a true church. This is the Covenanter's Call. I'd love to hear from you this week. You can write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. You can drop me an email. That's the Muggy Own, T-H-E-M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N, at cleanenter.net. That's C-L-E-A-N-I-N-T-E-R dot N-E-T. Give me a phone call. That number here, 812-653-5578. Stay tuned for lots of exciting programming. I believe the man, the, the, the icon, the great leader of AVR himself will actually be on the air in the next hour for your listening pleasure. I encourage you once again to be a supporter of American Voice Radio you appreciate what you hear or if you don't but just appreciate the fact that on this broadcasting network you can hear what people say then you be a supporter i hear the pipes my time is over until we meet again on the airwaves may god bless you is our prayer religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addisk, and this is the American Independence Hour for Tuesday, 30th day of August, year of our Lord, 2016. My disclaimer du jour, a man made in God's image, as per Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I'm endowed by my Creator with certain unalienable rights, as per the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence. I'm one of the people of the state of Texas, a member state of the Perpetual Union, styled the United States of America. I have repeatedly pledged my allegiance to the United States of America. I'm broadcasting from within the borders of the state of Texas. I'm acting at arm's length, and I deny that I have voluntarily agreed to act as fiduciary surety of the government of the United States or any other governmental entity. Having said that, I have to introduce our co-host, Frank Stephan. Hello, Frank. Howdy, Al. What up? Well... One thing that's up is uh, a new platform. A new platform? Yep. Uh, American Voice Radio, is that what we're talking about? Yep. Uh, we are now currently being simulcast live on YouTube. Really? Yep. And, uh, you know, right now I'm just putting the, uh, as far as a, you know, video part portion of it, just putting the... Uh, <laughs> just a picture of you? No, just the uh, the actually the American Independence Hour uh, archive page, which has uh, a picture of you. And uh, you know that's what we're I'm doing right now. But uh, it it gives the opportunity for the hosts if they want to do you know if they have Skype or some other video kind of thing that I no, can I understand. Deal with, that they can actually do a uh, you know video broadcast if they if they want. Now that's impressive. Would you be able to do that with a guest also? Well, I'm not sure. I'm. I'm yeah, I think you probably can. I probably I mean, can. I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure but a way. Uh, pardon me. I'm sure there's a way. 
Yeah. I'm just yeah. not sure how yet. You know, I'm uh, I'm rolling this details, out. Details, details. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm rolling this out. As, as easy as these computers are, you don't have to worry. that You'll get that. <laughs> Probably take you about five minutes, and you'll have that all figured out. Well, as it stands right now, what I have figured out is, uh, you know, if you were to, you know, uh, Skype, well, actually, the one you're on right now wouldn't work, but if somebody says, hey, I want to do video, well, then on, I know how to do that now so far, but as far as you're saying with a single video source so far, yeah, yeah, Yeah. so far, that's what I know how to do, but, uh. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way to do a guest. Uh, and I know if you were both on the same Skype, yeah. you know, I combine you on the same Skype video, yeah. then then I, you'd both go out. I think it's even a situation where if I was talking to a guest by video on Skype and we connected you up as a third party on that video, I'm going to guess that might work also, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Yeah, I'm sure it would. You know, I, I, I there's probably several ways to do it, but... You know, I got to get somebody to want to do it first. So, but oh, heck, I, I think it's a great idea. I've only and, been testing it this week. So, see, I know what you're. I know what you want to do with this. You want to broadcast the radio programs that you have. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's what you have in mind on this. Yep. I'm wondering if you have any intention of uh, making it possible for someone like myself, for example, to stand up and do a 15 minute pitch on one subject or another, not during radio broadcast time, per se, but still on the AVR platform. Well, you know, if you, uh, where it is right now, and, and, and everything's, you know, kind of, I'm open to suggestions on what yeah, I understand. ideas I'm not are. trying to horn in on it one way or another. I'm just no, curious. I am. I, I'm open to suggestions. This is kind of new to me. And, 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 you know, the technical part of making it work, which is odd this time, but it, it's the easy part for me. The really? hard part is when I get to the YouTube page to try to yeah. figure out, how do I, you know, and this is just a page, just a stupid page, like a Fedbook page, yeah. which I don't get them either, you know, and they're very similar. And I, You're I, too you old know, to understand I, stuff. I am. You need to hire a sixth grader. They can handle the sort of thing. Right. I'm too old to understand. I know how to turn the computer on, turn it off. Set me up so a I YouTube use keyboard. Page, other than that, I don't know. Set me up a YouTube page, kid. Here's a lollipop. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he'll have it done in two minutes and think he got mm-hmm. a great deal. Yeah, no. I could sucker this guy out of a lollipop for two minutes worth of work. You know, save me hours, though, because mm-hmm. it's just, uh, you know. This, this... Don't worry about it, though. He's probably planted some sort of a bug or fire. <laughs> yeah. And after you get going, he'll remove it for $5,000. Well, there you go. When he grows up a little, understand <laughs> uh, the way of business. But, uh-huh. you know, the, the page is a little, uh, you know, but uh, I've had this YouTube page for a while. AVR has, and, and I didn't really utilize it much because I didn't really know what to do with it. But now I'm figuring out, okay, this is what I want to do with it. So eventually it's going to be, you know, the because YouTube actually records all the um, – so there will be like a video archive on the uh, YouTube page there. The channel, should I should I say. It's a channel, uh-huh. okay. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and, and as far as that goes, you know, the 15-minute pitch – that could go on there like you could do. Anybody could do a 15-minute pitch wherever they are and then just send me the file, and I upload it to the YouTube page. And I see what you're saying. And wouldn't have to be live. wouldn't have to be a live broadcast, per se. No, it be once, done at any time and then just sent to you, and you could run it up there. Sure, because once the channel gets known, 
you know, that people realize, oh, hey, there's a channel and there's new stuff all the time on here. And that's really a big key to everything, any kind of yeah. new stuff, whether you're running a blog or you're running a, a video or whatever you're doing, new stuff is the thing because people will show up every day if they think there's going to be new stuff. But if they show up one or two days and there ain't new stuff, they might not They'll have back. no fury like a, uh, a, a, a video channel a surfer observer who's been scorned. A surfer um, scorned. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It it is true. Uh, there's not a lot of loyalty when it comes to uh, no. surfing the internet. You know, uh, there's so much competition. But that's you true. know, you have to count yourself fortunate if you can if you can find any kind of an audience, because everyone has the opportunity to get right now. Anyone who's listening to this program could listen to easily. I mean, thousands of alternatives. Sure, and. That's true for everybody. True for mainstream media. It's true for Dancing with the Stars. I mean, it's tough to build and hold an audience. Well, and, and the, if you can, you have to be grateful for as much as you can. As much as you can. Uh, the big time guys, correct. the Rush Limbaugh's, the uh, uh, all of them, the Hannitys, all every all of them, all of their audiences have shrunk, and yeah. it's not because oh, people are just not listening anymore to that kind of stuff, and people or nobody likes them anymore, or anything like that. It's not any of that. It's just exactly what you said. Okay, fine. Uh, Sean Hannity's on right now. I used to listen to him when, you know, there wasn't anything else. I had five channels, so, you know, I could listen to those or him. Okay, so I'm listening to him. I listen to him every day. But now I have 50,000 channels. Yeah, I know. You know, maybe I, I, I bumped into some other guy I like better even. I'll you know, the other Hannity later. You know, there's another problem with this, though, and that is you have to entertain me right now. If I'm going to listen to your channel, you've got to entertain me right now. Yeah, right? Right. I don't have 90 seconds to waste on you, and you've got to hit the ground running. You've got to deliver something and keep people constantly entertained. And that's, that's the way it is with the competition this year, and it's it an is. impossible objective. Well, and, yeah. what does it do to people's what does it do to people's minds? Are we turning into a nation where if you can't entertain us in the first, you know, thirty, sixty, ninety seconds, goodbye, we're gone? Well, the fifteen second sound bite, you know that that's where this started, and it's just progressed into this. You know, now it. <laughs> I mean, you can listen for hours to places, but you know, like you said, if if you don't if you don't hit it in the first 10 15 seconds, bam, going somewhere. Yeah, else. No. I got 50,000 other places to check out. I don't have to wait for you to say something. Yeah, I got a list and I got to do them all by I got 1 hour to get to all 50,000 of them. <laughs> That's right. And then we'll get then we'll get to the next 50,000. I got another list after that one. And there is the, therein lies the problem because I have a couple of hosts that they get their main audience is not their live broadcast. Their main audience is their archives. Okay. That's where peep their audience likes. Because, hey, you can go when you want. You can listen when you want. You yep. can download it and listen in your car, wherever you want to go. You know, you, you have the choice. So, yeah. you know, people figure, yeah, well, okay, so my live audience has shrunk because there's so many choices. But, hey, they can go listen to the archive. Well, and that's true. However, there are still only 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. You know, so each person can only listen to so much. 
you know. Uh, uh, you say that, Frank, but we can get up two or three monitors going at the same time. A couple of computers. Oh, I don't know. I think we're all going to be schizophrenic before <laughs> this is all over. Uh, I got a little too much variety. You know, there used to be a time when you would sit down and read a book. Yep. And it might take you some time, but while you're reading it, you sit back and you think about it. The problem, that I, the thing that bothers me about the electronic media is it comes at you in its attempt to be inter- entertaining, informative, to capture an audience. It's moving so fast, I don't know if it, there's time to think. Is there time to think about it? Is there time, like a book, you can have a dialogue. Somebody says something in the book, you can set the book down, you can think about it. Do I like it? No, I don't. You know, and then you can go back to the book. Well, you know, and it depends. I mean, if I think people listen to your show particularly, they have an opportunity to think a little because we kind of stick on one or two, three things for two hours and, and go through it. I and that gives people an opportunity to think. But when you get into the mainstream... But how many people are there like that in this country? No. You know, I mean, we have we have perhaps captured the entire audience <laughs> yeah. of thoughtful people. You know, all 25 or 30 of them are listening to our program. I don't know. We've captured the niche, maybe, but still, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, in the mainstream, they ain't got time for that. I mean, they do, hey... We're doing a big major, okay, World War III's broke out, and this is the people, and this is what happened, and now on to who, yeah, won, I know. who won the silver medal. And I uh, she wore a push-up bra, and now on to who got a sex change, and now on to, and, and they just, just hammer you with one thing after another after another because that's what people think they want. And if they don't get that, it's like, man, this is boring. You know, you know, I don't know if you spend any time on Yahoo, for example. Very little. But, YouTube, excuse me, oh, YouTube. Some, yeah, you know, some, especially the thing this that last week. What disturbs me is they keep pulling up what they think I'm interested in. Right. And if I look at anything, all right, I take a peek. <laughs> you know, you can't resist. It's like it's like reading the National Enquirer while you're standing in the, in the line at the at the grocery store. I'm never going to buy one, but I read the headlines and I look at the lust to look inside and see the rest of the articles and stuff. I won't buy one. Um, I don't know. Where was I going with that? I lost my I lost my train of thought. Well, no, how the ads are popping up and just because you looked at something and, you know. Well, yeah, that's that where it's at. Google. They, they are, there's a constantly evolving profile. And if I ever looked at an issue of the National Enquirer <laughs> on YouTube, the next thing you know, I'm going to find like six entries for National Enquirer. On, on my next time I turn on YouTube and watch an old movie and from a you know you feel just watch an old mummy movie from the 1940s or something. Next thing you know, I know it. Yep. Now I, I I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm really pleased. No. I probably am, but it, it makes me a little bit. They're they're anticipating me. Yeah, I don't like you know? it myself because that happens on Google to me. I I mean. You know, I look over in the sun, it's like, gee, look at that. It's it's all the things that I've just been to in the last, you know, day yeah. or two. Look at that. Yeah, I know. Hmm. I know. And, and like I know. If I wanted to see everything I've been to in the last <laughs> right. day or two, I could go to the FBI uh, website. They must have, they might just have a, a record. Yeah, well, um, the thing is, I you know, if I need something or want something or am interested in something, I don't need Google to help me. You know, it, I'll go figure that out. Because if I can't figure out what I want to look at, 
then I get that, but you well also have to, you have to think, I, I mean, I'm going to guess that you suppose you may want to do your own thinking. <laughs> but how many other people do you think out of, out of 100 people, how many agree with you and how many are delighted <laughs> with their daily dose of Google or their daily dose of YouTube or their, here, look at this, now look at this, now look at this, now look at this. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> people like that. I mean, it, it, it must be true or they wouldn't be doing it. See, I would what? rather see ads that I, that I haven't looked at because those are the things I don't know about. See, the stuff that I've already been to, I already know about that. I've been there. You know, if I wanted to buy something, I would have. Maybe yeah, I did. You, Maybe you I missed, even did. You're but, missing the fundamental point of advertising. You've got to do it three to five times before people even happen even notice it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not like you can run out one ad and everybody's, oh, I'm going to buy that. Now, they've got to see it. I've seen studies on this in the past, at least, in print. I don't know if it's true on the Internet. But they need to see the ad three to five times before it even crosses the threshold of consciousness. They say, hey, look at that, you know, as if it was news. But they need to see it or hear it. And this is the essence of advertising is repetition. Well, and I it's guess. obvious everybody knows it. I, I guess mean, that's why some somebody came up with the slick great idea of running video ads over the page I want to look at, because that'll get my attention. Yeah, that'll get your attention, all right? One of those things where, where's my gun? Yeah. Where's my gun? Yeah, this better be a gun ad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's like, I, I don't know who came up with that, but that is the most annoying, uh, and I have decided. I don't that, care. You know, I, if it comes up, whatever it is, I'm gonna I'm gonna look and I'm gonna remember what that is, and I'm making. And not sure. buy it. I'm never gonna buy it. I don't care if that. you're giving give, you're giving away gold bars for a buck a piece. Nope. I'm not buying them. You understand? Nope. Not if you did and that. Not if because you did it's that. disrespectful, and that's the thing that bothers me about. It. Yeah, it's, it's disrespectful, it's and they're just saying we don't care whether you like it or you don't like it. Here in your face. Too bad for you. Yeah, look at it. It's all about if you want to read this article, you're gonna look at this whether you like yeah. it or not, and we don't yeah. care, and we own the news, and you know, that, and these news sites really do believe they own the news. Like they're, they're I don't the know if creator, they do exactly. The I don't know if they believe the they own it. I know they think they're up to their ears in competition, and they are desperate to turn, you know, a millicent. All right. By getting, if we could just get a million people to look at this at a fraction of a cent apiece, that makes we made we made what ten thousand dollars for the day. Woo hoo! Uh, well, ten thousand dollars, yeah. ten thousand dollars. I mean, uh, you can make ten grand a day. You can get by. You can live on that. But hey, I don't have to. Hey, I don't have to work many days before I can retire at that rate. Yeah, I understand. You know, but these the thing is, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And I agree. And the internet is a great example of that. You know, you can go to these sites and see every square inch of it is moving, you know, and it's just distracting and disturbing. And yep. the, the video ads, same thing, distracting and disturbing and angering. And, yep. you know, these people, they get an idea and they think, hey, look what we can do. You know, and from from being somebody who, you know, has a website and has to try to keep up, you gotta you got to kind of balance between, well, I could do all these things. But what things should I really do? And, you you know, you try to keep up with the technology. Like, okay, adding YouTube. It's another platform. Look, YouTube is popular. Lots of people go there. Some of the hosts may actually want to do video. So there you go. Now that's going to become a reality. But 
it you know it wasn't a, a snap decision. I thought about it and figured out well how am I going to make this work? Is this going to benefit everybody or just make it more difficult for everyone or what? But these guys, man, I don't think they think about that. They're just paid to do something, and they come up with something and say, look, ah, this is going to work. This is like a stockbroker or something. No, no, you really, really, really got to buy this stock. It's going to make you a million bucks. It's going to be great. You're going to be so thankful, and, and it's only going to cost you this much, you know, to me. And then they do it, and I don't think – I can't imagine that those video ads are actually working. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. How I know they do for some people. I mean, some people make a lot of money on YouTube, um, from what I understand. Sure, on YouTube, that's when you yeah. allow them to run ads on your, your channel uh, with your content. Uh, you know, I have content, and you're going to run ads. Okay. I mean, that's just the traditional model of television and radio, you know, because uh, that's all those shows that, you know, our favorite shows that we all love. And, oh, I love ABC because they've got all the shows I like, or I love, you know, whatever uh, network because they've got all the shows I Love, But people need to understand that to the network, those shows are nothing more than something to wrap ads around. Yeah, they're just bait. That's it. That's all they are. Here, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Now look at this. I mean, they just get you in there. Here, here, look at this. Look at this worm here. This is a nice, fresh, this is a nice, fresh, tender <laughs> worm, and it's all for you. Yeah. Boom, here's the hook. Yeah. All right, you got to look at this ad. But Maybe buy thing. a new car or whatever. See, their attitude is absolutely opposite of the viewer. The viewer views the, the well, I'm here for the show. I want to see the show. Yeah, no. But the network is there to wrap something, you know, to have something to wrap their ads around. Mm-hmm. That's it. They're concerned yeah, no. about the ad. They don't care content about the Content is not important to the no. to the advertiser. No, this is why. This it is, might even be objectionable if there's too much content. This is where Maybe reality. You're attracting the wrong kind of people. This is where reality shows and game shows were created because they're cheap and they're, they're filler. There's something that, hey, here you go, and people love them. Hey, here you go. Well, they're new, or at least they were new. Yep. All right, and that's part of it. If you can deliver something that they haven't seen before, oh, look, <laughs> you know, we got a four-legged clown. Um, that's new. That's new. He may be doing the same. He's, he's still got that light that's getting smaller and smaller as he sweeps it into the dustpan, but he's got four legs. And next season, this makes it, this is, makes it for a hell of a show. And next season, he'll sing. And the yeah. season after that, he'll sing and dance. And, and, you know, we'll just keep this going until people... As long as it continues to work. And as soon as we see a 3% decline in the clown's attraction, the audience ability to attract an audience, down by 3%, you're out of here, clown. Yep, you're out of here. You're gone. There's yeah. two ways that you get out of here on television. One is people stop watching, and you're out of there. The other thing is advertisers object to the show. They don't like the content. You're out of there. That's another way. Because there's been some, you know, there's been some people are confused because you'll see a show on television, and it's really well written. It's really well done. Uh, I prefer sci-fi. Really great, uh, you know, uh, special effects. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then the show lasts a season, and it's gone, and there's no real explanation why. Well, why is because the content offended advertisers. They don't like that. There's one I could point to. It's it's a science fiction series called Firefly. It was so well done, and it was so popular. 
but it lasted one season. Because, well, in this series, the Rebels were the good guys. Can't have that. Oh, oh my God. Nope. Oh, that's, 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 that's anathema. Yep, can't have um, that. Yep. And it was so obvious because, you know, so many fans wrote and, and complained and said, what's wrong with you people? That they said, okay, and, and they were demanding another season, right? And, and so, now, this is what the studio did. This is how many people, to get a studio, a television network, to say, okay, 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 look, we're not giving you another season. Tell you what we'll do. We'll give it 10% off on the stuff no, we we'll, advertise. We'll let, them, uh, we'll let them make a movie. We'll let them make a movie. That's what we'll do. We'll let them make a movie. So they made a movie, and that was it. But movies cost a lot of money to make, and, you know, that's a big decision. And it, it, to get them to do that because so many people wrote in, it was a very popular show. But it was, they would not bring it back be, because <laughs> we can't have rebels being the good guys. You know, reasonable. That suggests that there might be something, if there's something wrong with one government, yeah. then maybe there could be something wrong with other governments as well. And especially oh. if the one that is the bad government looks a lot like ours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Except it's in outer space, which I'm not so sure ours isn't, but, you know. It, Let's it, move on to another item here. I've got something from uh, number eight on the list of links I sent you. I don't know if you saw that yet. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's funny you picked that one because I looked through the list and I opened that one up and I read that whole story. Okay. Very interesting. Something that yeah. I'm I'm very interested in. This is from WND, World Net Daily. Prosecutor won't let go of jury savvy, savvy pastor. I have not read the whole thing, but I was intrigued by the beginning of it. Is a juror legally a juror? before he or she is picked for a case and sworn in. How about in the courthouse hallway? Is he a juror then? Or how, how about on the sidewalk in front of the courthouse? While driving to the courthouse, when a juror notice is received in the mail, is that when he becomes a juror? And the idea behind this is there is apparently a pastor who's been charged with jury tampering because he's handed pamphlets out to people walking into the courthouse, and these people included these, some of these people were prospective jurors who were going to be interviewed, and then if they were selected, sworn in to be jurors in, a, in one or more cases, and they was charged with jury tampering. And his question was, as I understand the article, he says, wait a second, maybe these people are going to become jurors, but are they jurors while they're walking on the sidewalk? Are they jurors before they even get into the courthouse? And if they're not, how can you charge me with juror tampering? That's how I understand it. You read the article, so why don't you correct me well, or expand uh, on it? No, that's, that's pretty close to it. Uh, but it goes a little deeper because just last year, Michigan's state Supreme Court ruled, quote, a jury is not a jury until it is sworn, unquote. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, really this guy has three renegade, two renegade judges and a renegade prosecutor is what he has, and they won't let it go, and they keep doing it, and they're going to get slapped down. And really these people, that 
I'm telling you that that prosecutor should be disbarred for this, and those judges should be removed from the bench for this because they are they are just going ahead with what they want to do regardless of what the state supreme court has ruled. And what is it that they want to do? Well, uh, okay. they want to make sure that the prospective jurors sure. don't understand anything about their rights or powers. Sure. That's what they want to do. They want to keep the jurors as dumb as a box of rocks so they can lead them around by the nose and tell them what to do, and they won't get any sass back out of the jury. But if this, here comes this pastor, and he's handing out these documents. I haven't read one. I don't know. But I've seen uh, probably the jury handbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, what do they call it? Jury nullification right. documents. I've seen them for 20 years off and on, on occasion. And I have a rough idea of what's in there. And they're educating people. Said, look, if you're sitting on the jury, you have these rights. You have these powers. You can do this, that, or the other if you care to do it. And they're not telling them what to do. They're saying, look, you do have these rights. You've got three things you can do. You've got five things. You've got two things. But you have a choice. And the courts don't want the jurors to understand that they have a choice. They want them to just sit back and do as they're told, like good little sheep. Mm-hmm. And so it's offensive yeah, to is. have somebody educating the idiots or the, the, well, the ignorant. They don't want the ignorant. They don't want that. Ignorance is bliss. And the judge is, and the prosecutors are there to make sure that nobody busts your bliss. Well, they You're first good. charged him with obstruction of justice. But then okay. they, they had to drop that uh, because just, there's no evidence of that. Just a little too creative. Huh? Right. But then they charged him also with misdemeanor jury tampering. Okay. And uh, the uh, uh, they they one other judge, Judge Peter... Jake Levick, and Magistrate Tom Lyons. I think Tom Lyons is the second one. Yep. Same prosecutor, Brian Feed, or whatever his name is, T-H-I-E-D-E. Uh, he tried to get the uh, misdemeanor jury tampering dismissed, but they wouldn't do it, right? So Now, you got to understand, this guy was not in the courthouse or even at the courthouse door. He was on the sidewalk in front of the courthouse. The public sidewalk. You don't have to yeah. be going into court to walk down the sidewalk in front yeah. of the courthouse. And that's where oh. he was. Even if he was in the courthouse. Sure. Doesn't mean he's talking to a juror. There's lots of people in the courthouse. There's janitors in there and there's judges and there's prosecutors. They're not going to be influenced but, by these documents. See now, And there's only a handful of people that are actually going to be selected as jurors. There might be 50 coming in who could be jurors. Well, they're only going to get a dozen or listen two. Listen to this, and you'll see that this is not about, oh, the law or public safety or anything that you would think that prosecutors and judges should be involved in. So the guy's out on there, on the sidewalk, handing out pamphlets, okay? They arrested him. Yep. Well, they ordered him to come into the courthouse, okay, which he should have just said no, I think. It's like, you can't order me into the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Screw you. I'm not going anywhere. You want to arrest me, arrest me out here on the sidewalk. for. And I think they pulled him into the courthouse as a scheme that, oh, look, you're in the courthouse doing it. You know, because why not just go out and arrest him on the sidewalk? But they didn't. They ordered him in the courthouse and then arrested him. Well, I think that's a good point, because what you're saying 
is the sidewalk is public property, and it raises the implication that the courthouse is not public property. Well, or that you have some diminished First Amendment right inside a courthouse versus the sidewalk. You know, I, I mean, I wouldn't say public property because if it's a courthouse, you know, it's got to be public property. But you know how maybe, they are, maybe not. You know how they are about you know oh oh here you have a diminished expectation of privacy. Here you have a diminished expectation of your First Amendment rights. Oh, oh, you're wearing a yellow shirt. Well, you have a diminished right, you know, for, I mean, they do this all the time. But get his, his bond. So the guy's handing out pamphlets on a sidewalk. Yeah. When they finally arrest him and set his bond, it's $150,000. <laughs> Okay, so he has to sit in jail till he can put fifteen grand on his credit card to get out of jail. Yeah. So another hero clearly just abusive, oppressive, sure. all the rest of it. Well, these he guys should are be criminal. able to stick a lawsuit squarely up their behinds and make them. Hey, oh, you time. know what? I think this is an absolute perfect opportunity for a counterclaim. Yeah, I understand. I mean, hey, you violated so many of my rights. That, you know, my lawsuit's going to be three times as big as yours. You know, I mean, honestly, and $150,000 yeah, bail? Oh, hey, guess, I, that's where I'm going to start with my monetary damages at 150000 And then I'll start adding up from there. Because I'm just going to start there because that's where you started. You know? Well, it will be interesting to consider what the standard bond, uh, when a bond is required when you commit some kind of offense, for example, suppose you go smack somebody over the head with a beer bottle. What's the standard offense? What's the standard bond for assault with a beer a bottle? Full beer bottle. An, um, an assault you know, bottle. Might be ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand or something. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. But I don't believe for a minute it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars. No, no, that this is punitive. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. This is, they're just trying to make. Huh, huh, we'll fix him. Yep. Well, I hope he gets these guys, and he gets them big time. Oh, me but, too. You know, but he's got he's lawyered up, and he's got some help. And you know, I don't know. You know, just to, because you've got a group of lawyers doesn't mean uh, you know. No, it may mean quite the contrary. Right. It can be good, but it can also be the opposite of good. And yeah, I know that. I'm wondering. Nevertheless, he's brought a big, a big good questions here. Well, when does it? When does when does a juror become a juror? Yeah, but. That question's been answered by the Supreme Court of that state. I mean, you don't get any higher well, authority. In it has. I haven't heard of the answer ever before. It may have been answered a hundred times, but it's news to me. That's my. That's my main point well, on this. Sure, this, is, this is an intriguing question. This guy might have been ago. going to become a juror, but what if I'm handing out? What if I'm handing out pamphlets a half a mile away from the courthouse? Then I hand a pamphlet to somebody who gets called up for jury duty six months later. Am I now liable for jury tampering because I gave him one of these pamphlets six months before he was even called to be a juror? Well, you know, that's, that's what these guys are trying to say. Yeah, okay, but, you know, a year ago, the Supreme Court of that state ruled, quote, a jury is not a jury until it is sworn. So if it's not sworn, you can't jury tamper because it's not a jury. I mean, you know, because if this is the case, then, oh, hey, you know, uh, all the TV stations, uh, they got some splaining to do because they've been jury tampering for years. How when do they, you, when they you're run, telling, when, when they, they teach, they, they have 
courtroom dramas, and they're showing you what the jurors can or can't do or how they no, think. No, when, the when the news does a story about the alleged murderer who hacked up his wife and children and ate the dog, and he's a horrible, terrible man, allegedly. Yeah. They're poisoning. Well, that's exactly right. And I get what you're talking about. And it's happened in the cases in the cases of some people who are political dissidents. Sure. And the government makes it their business to, demonize to get them. you up and to get news reports about what a heinous individual you are before you ever before you ever get to trial and the object the object is to taint the jury. It is. Um, it's poisoning yeah. the pool. The whole yeah. pool. So it's yeah. like, okay, so you might not be jury tampering, because if no jury is sworn, then you're not jury tampering. But you are poisoning the pool. Yeah. But I don't think giving people pamphlets with, and I think this is probably going to end up being the question, is giving pamphlets with legitimate legal information, you know, not lies, not fairy tales. This is, a, you know, how it is. And all the pamphlets I've seen on this subject are pretty well documented. And not only that, they're generic. Right. I've never seen one that specifically dealt with a particular defendant. Nope. All right. It's not like I say, here's a pamphlet, and you should free this guy because you should be free George Jones because, you know, he, he sang a great song. Uh, no, that's not what we've seen. I could, I could see where that... I would be more likely to agree that constitutes jury tampering. But when all they're doing is giving you generic information on what the relevant law is right. and what your rights and powers can be, I don't see a problem with that. In well, fact, no. I think it's a good thing. Kids should be taught this in school. I agree. I agree. We live in the most litigious society in the world, and they don't teach anyone how to, go with, how to deal with court. They don't. You get out of high school and you don't even know how to deal with a contract or a traffic ticket or a seatbelt violation. Yeah, that's like sending you out into the most litigious society in the world and you don't know how to speak the language. If you can't speak the language of law, you are going to be a gardener all your life, working on some, attending somebody else's, cutting their lawn, tending their gardens, the rest of that. But if you want to avoid that, you have to learn the language, and they will not teach you in the public school system. And you won't even get it in college, except maybe a little bit in uh, oh, political science. If you major in political science in college, you might get a little bit of law, but not much. If you want to get law, you've got to go to the law school after you graduate from and you get your bachelor's. And it's just not right. The law should be accessible to everybody. And it should be something that everyone can understand. It should not be rocket science if somebody's car smashed the passenger door in on your car. That should not be rocket science. We should be able to resolve these questions without going to, you know, six editions of yeah. Black's Law Dictionary to try to figure this out and, and parse all the words. It I, should be, I, there are complex things that require complex law. I get that, but... The system is out of control. Now, I view, I view our justice system less of rocket science and more like an Abbott and Costello skit. You know, who's on first? Uh, That's well, only if oh. you know what's going on. Right. Yeah, well. But if you don't know what's going on, Yeah. all right, it's like being captured by a tribe of <laughs> people on another island or something, and they don't speak your language, and you can see them 
looking at you and pointing <laughs> on one thing or another, and you can't help. I don't think they're going to give me a birthday present. No. You know, I don't think that's what they're doing here. And that's what we have with well, the, like the lawyers said, and the judges and other tribes. You know, there are some things that require complex laws, you know, in, in complex situations. But uh, 90% of the people running around, you know, about town, that doesn't apply to them. Everything is very simple and should be very simple. But once you get to court, now it's not simple anymore. Now I'll they, tell you they, another thing. I'd say that the court documents the, the uh, rules, all right, procedural rules. They should be written in a language that a high school graduate can understand. And a lot of people say that's crazy, that's not possible, and they might be right, but I'm not convinced that's true. They're sending us out of school with a lousy education. And the law should be written to reflect that. These people are ignorant. Fine. The average, uh, the average American high school graduate can only read at an eighth grade level. Give us eighth grade law. We can't just sit back and say, we're going to trust the lawyers to do this because, among other things, there aren't enough lawyers. It's part of the reason the prices are so high. You need more lawyers in this country. Yeah. Which a lot of people would probably think that's surprising for me to say it, but I've been saying it for 20, 25 years. You need more lawyers. We need to let, I've said this before, I think even on this program, talked about it. There's no reason why you can't practice as a lawyer. I'm not saying that you can get involved in major corporate and the rest of the corporate uh, disputes and that sort of thing, but you know a bunch about traffic law, for example. Yeah. All right. You are competent to help a guy out who's got a seatbelt violation, a speeding violation, a DWI. You're competent to provide him with some sort of representation at a price he can afford. Well, you I, try to get competent representation. I doubt that he could do as well. Well, hiring a professional attorney, he'll never get it at a price he can afford. I can tell you one thing. I have probably gone and said not guilty more times for traffic violations than most lawyers have. Yeah. Because they just don't do that. Oh, they'll, they'll make a deal. Oh, they'll just settle Let's it. make a deal. Let's make a yeah. deal. You know? Let's make a deal. That's what they do. They don't, they don't go, okay, not guilty. Here's my paperwork. Let's do this. Yeah. Because if they did, the courts would probably treat them the same way they do, they do me. Okay, dismissed. You know, we're not doing this. This is going to take time and money, and you're, you're right. slowing things They're up. They're running a business. This isn't about justice. This is about profit and loss. And if you are the kind of person, I mean, they can, if you've ever been in, and of course you have, <laughs> you go into one of these traffic courts, and how fast can they move them in and move them out? Oh, man. It's like it's like sending steers up the chute into the meatpacking plant. Yeah. All right? <laughs> there is no waiting. The steers don't fall asleep waiting for their chance to go up. They're going in bang, bang, and they, and bang, they will bang. not And they will not tolerate anybody who slows that down. You're dismissed. I understand. Get out. You know, and... On a business here. Get out I, of here. And I think you just hit on the main reason why these guys are doing what they're doing to this guy in Michigan. Because yeah. he is seriously threatening their business. Because if them jurors start getting the idea that I don't have to listen to the judge's recommendations, I can do what I want for any reason yeah. I want. You know what? Let that guy go. I like his hair. Yeah. Hey, you know, that's not a good reason, and I wouldn't encourage people to be, you know, doing things like that. But you can, because once you're on the jury, 
hey, I don't have to give you any reasons why I do what I do. I've decided he's either guilty or not guilty. That's my job as a juror. Yeah. Not yeah. only my job, my right. Yeah, and my duty. My duty and my right. You know, you got two things going on here, right and a duty. And I get to I have to make the call. I get to make the call. And and you know what? They don't want to hear that. They do no, I not want to hear what juries, I'll tell you the law. No, judge, I'll decide the law. Well, I don't know where the where the jury fits in. There was a time and I think it was a good thing. For example, who should decide what the Constitution means? I don't think it should be the Supreme Court. I think no. Marbury versus Madison was maybe the single worst decision the courts ever made. And they said, we'll decide what yep. the law means. Yeah. When you're talking about the Constitution, the Constitution is the people's law. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union. They ratified the Constitution in conventions. It wasn't done by state legislatures. It was done in, in public conventions. It was done by the people. It's the people's law. If you have a question about what the law means, you set a jury of 12 down there and ask them. Yep. Let them decide. And if they make a mistake on it or whatever, all right, you want to appeal. We have two different jurors, sets of juries coming up with different opinions on what the law means. I don't know. They, it can be resolved on up, upstream one way or another. But the public should play a role, at least in the Constitution, the meaning of the Constitution, well, because they are the source. It's a free. Public's the source. That, that, is, is, a, I wrote it. that is a free people. Because yeah. the way things work is like, okay, fine. I'm busy. I got things to do. So I pick a representative. Okay, bud, you're going to go here, you're going to make laws, you're going to do what's good for us. Okay, fine. Off he goes, he writes some laws, and now the cops arrest me for this law. Well, I go in front of a jury of the people in my area, and I make the case that, hey, this law stinks. This isn't right. This is crap. And the jury says, yeah, you know what? You're right. It is crap. We don't like it either. You're innocent. That's jury nullification. And that is a free people, because those representatives are not the last word on here it is. This is it. We're dictating to all of you how it's going to be. No, it's like you go and make your rules, and you come back and start enforcing them on us. If we like them, we think they're right, okay, fine. If we don't, they're out of here, man. It's over. Try again. Yeah, I understand. You're not the last word. You don't get to just dictate to the people what it's going to be, and that's the way. That's where they're at now. They think, well, I wrote it down. Oh, they've been there for a long time, but they haven't yeah. been there in a way that's blatant to the same degree it is now. Sure. Yeah. You know, and the so, way they, they operate on this is obviously all punitive, and they should be they should be seriously punished for this. I mean, these three guys should be seriously reprimanded for what they've done here. And I mean, I agree. they should lose their jobs. They should lose their ability to oh, practice law. Oh, be disbarred. Law. Yeah, lose, lose their ability to practice law because yeah. obviously you're abusing that power. Yeah. And, and that's what should happen to these guys because what they're doing is obviously, look, I can see bringing the guy in, throwing him in a cell for a couple hours saying, hey, you know, we don't like this. And then letting them go, you know, harass them a little bit, maybe write them a ticket for, I don't know, loitering or whatever. But what they've done is just insane. $150,000 bail? Are you kidding me? Really? They're handing out pamphlets on the <laughs> sidewalk in front of the courthouse. He's a serial pamphleteer. Yeah, exactly. I understand. He's very dangerous. What if he was handing out pamphlets with pictures of scantily clad females? Or handing Do you out think he'd still get a, would he still get a... 
$150,000 bond, or would the judge say, hey, give me a half a dozen of those, I'll take yeah, them up to my it. chamber? That's it. He probably got it. Judge is probably the partner. That was going. All right, yeah. let's go on here. We've got another article at, uh, I think it's, what is it, the next one on the list? It's uh, number, number, excuse me, previous one, number seven. This one's kind of fun. This is from Natural News. And it says, uh, the headline is Flashback. Illegal immigrants sue U.S. government after getting kicked out of Obamacare. (laughs) You get that? We got illegal aliens that are suing the government because they've been deprived of their, their rights to free medical care under Obamacare. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's just one of the things you look at and you say, my God, what has happened to this world? You know, I don't know what all the legal niceties are of this one way or the other. But if they are illegal, why should taxpayers pay to support them? They They've entered here illegally. Why do we have an obligation to provide for their health care or for their food or anything else? And if they don't like it, let them go home. We're not going to stop them. You know, I mean, the door swings both ways at the Rio Grande. Well, I would tell hey, well, you, know what? Go back that way. Bottom line is, you know, it may or may not be feasible. But they should all be put in prison. You're here illegally. You broke into the country. You're trespassing. You know, you're going to jail. Just like, look, if I decide to go break into my neighbor's house and start trespassing over there, I'm going to jail. I guarantee yeah. it. So why shouldn't they go to jail? You want free health care? You want free food? It's at the jail. You know, well, put them in there. Let them work for 25 cents an hour. You know, and uh, make, might be make a step sense. up from where they come from if well, they're getting three meals a day and a hot, three, three hots and a cot. And 25 cents an hour. See, what you got to be able to do is, and this is a strange and dangerous thing, you got to be able to move these people out without taking being able to, without taking the case all the way to the Supreme Court. There's got to be an administrative remedy. Fine, you got into this country. Uh, there's got to be a way to remove them. I really that honestly is not judicial because these guys they got nothing to lose, honestly, and they will. They're like a bunch. They're like a bunch of pro se litigants. All right, they're like you and me. They'll clog the system up until the system breaks down. Well, this immigration system's already broke down. And, well, you know, I understand, but I'm just saying try to get them out. Well, They're entitled to certain rights. They go in front of the court. By the time they get done with this thing, it drags on forever. It, I bet you, what do you think it costs to deport one illegal alien? Well, more than they're worth, I'm sure. But the thing is, you know, I've argued this for years and years, because ever since Hillary Clinton made her idiot statement about, well, you know, nobody wants to see people dragged out of their houses and locked up. Well, of course nobody wants to see that, and it's not necessary. Just cut out all the... And you, I, I would imagine you could do it with an executive order. Just cut out all the free stuff. Simple executive order. If, well, the other thing is you have to make... I think you have to create penalties for people that employ them. Of course. If, if you you're are, caught employing illegal aliens, you lose your business. Well, if you're caught, you got an illegal maid taking care of your kids or whatever at home, you're going to lose your house. Well, I'm going to seize you know. the house, and we're going to set it up. Here's the way we're going to set it up. We're going to set it up where whoever turns you in gets, uh, I don't know, 
20% of whatever we sell your house for. And that includes the illegal alien you've hired as a maid. If she turns you in, we're going to give her 20% of that. We'll sell your house. Maybe you get 150000 for it. We're going to give her, what, $30,000 on condition that she take the thirty and get back south of the river and do not return. Well, yeah, I mean, I, my, I, I agree, other than, you know, I would give businesses one, one minor fine for the first time yeah. and make it very clear, look, this is your only warning, okay? Yep. And, and it's going to cost agree. you a few thousand bucks, but this is your only warning. Next time we seize the business, we put it on the auction block, and you go to jail. That's it. Well, you know, and the reason that would work is it's a lot. If you can go after business owners, homeowners, whatever, who are employing illegal aliens, you know, ultimately you're going to scare you're going to scare so many people that they're going to make it their business not to employ illegal aliens. Absolutely, and, and if illegal aliens realize they can't get jobs up here, there's no point to coming. Oh, and there's going to be reason wait. for a bunch of them and to then, leave. And then here comes the executive order. If you are here illegally, if you cannot prove you are here legally, you are not entitled to any education, any medical care, any welfare, any food, any assistance whatsoever from any government agency whatsoever or any private organization that takes any oh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't restrict private entities. If they want to give them charity, no, 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 private, no, no, no. fine, no, but not with government tax. You didn't let me finish. I said any private business that any private organization that receives any money from the government. Okay. Because if you're taking the federal money, sorry, you're under the federal rules. You don't you don't get to do this. You don't get to do this or else you go to jail. That's it. And the object behind this well, is if it take, costs it you can't afford to deport these people judicially. No. No, you can't. All right. And the nobody, cost of all of these trials, they just they're going to overwhelm the system, and you can't afford it. It can't be done. So I, the point then is, you have to go at this a different way. You have to eliminate the attraction to right. come here in the first place, and you can do that by dealing with uh, domestic businessmen, domestic, you know, sure. home take owners, away, and whatever. Take away the free stuff and punish the employers and the the employers. You know, because if you're, you know, I don't care if you're in your house and you hire a maid, you're an employer now. Uh, you know, so the employers yep. and the free stuff take away the free stuff, punish the employers, and they look. There's no reason to be here. They're not here because they like white people. Yeah, I know that. They're here for the stuff. I mean, if I was a Mexican, I'd come here for the stuff. Yep. Hey, you get a pamphlet down in Mexico. Hey, free stuff in the United States. You got mm-hmm. free medical, free education. Mm-hmm. You got free mm-hmm. everything, man. Uh, well, hey. I'm packing up my backpack and I'm moving. I'm going to the United States. You know, I mean, it's insane. To, to <laughs> yeah, it's just insane, and that's the problem. This is a situation that's analogous to what's happening in Europe with the Muslims pouring in. They're going to get wiped out. The Europeans are going to get wiped out. It may take another 40, 50 years, but it may not take that long at all. They're going to be destroyed because they didn't have brains enough to protect their own borders. They didn't have brains enough to protect their own country. And people say, oh, you've got to be humane. And I'm saying, no, I don't think you do. I don't think you can afford to. There are people who have cultures that are so backward, they will never be assimilated. 
Well, and it's and all they're going to do, they're not going to, they're not going to come here and say, "Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to embrace your culture, but I would like." Well, where do I sign up for the welfare? Where do I get the free housing? Well, Show yeah, me that. How that, about the food stamps? How do I get the those? whole thing? And people need to stop this whole, oh, the poor whoever. Yeah, I know. It's the poor Mexicans. It's the poor Syrians. It's the poor Iraqis. It's the poorest everybody. Well, the bottom line is the ones they're bringing in are not poor anybody. These people are the enemies of Western culture. Yeah. And it's not because I'm racist. It's because this is their stated beliefs. I mean, the Quran is very clear. Either submit or die. Yeah. That's You're the, talking about Muslims. Yeah. The Quran yeah. is very clear. Submit no, or die. I know. I know. Well, I'm sorry. I know, and we're supposed to the religion of peace, <laughs> and you get all the peace you want, provided once you get your head chopped off or you give up your own faith. And what's, what's horrific about this is they use our own freedom of religion as a device to bring their religion in and then deprive us of freedom of religion. Well, and this is exactly what their leaders have been saying for decades, that they will use the First Amendment to destroy America. Yeah. You know, and, well, I don't mind the Muslims trying to do that, all right? I mean, I kind of understand what they're doing. I don't agree with them, but I don't, one level, I don't mind. What I mind is the treasonous whores in the cat house on the Potomac who helped them. Right. That's what galls me. We've got people in the United States, oh, we've got to bring all these illegal aliens in here. We've got to bring these Muslims in here. This is going to be disruptive. It's going to be destructive. The nation is going to be destroyed. It's going to be balkanized and divided up in scores of little fiefdoms and communities and whatever. And we've got the no-go zone for Sharia law and the rest of that crap. Yep. That's exactly and anybody it. with an IQ over 90 can see this is where this is going, and yet we have people in government who get away from it, which is one of the reasons why I am convinced what this country really needs are some good trials for treason. And yep. not just a couple of them, not just a couple of show trials. I mean, you cross the Constitution, you're going to be charged with treason. All right? Trial will start in 30 days. You'll defend yourself. And the reason you will is because anyone who gives aid and comfort to the enemies of the United States of America will also be tried for treason. And if you're found guilty, I'm going to try your attorney and his assistant and everybody in his law firm. If you hired his law firm to defend you, then everybody from the receptionist to the CEO, you're all going to be charged with treason and you're all going to defend yourselves without an attorney. And when the time comes, if you're found guilty you will be hanged yeah well try I, that try that out on, on a few law firms and i i don't argue that the receptionist should be found guilty but i would i i would think in my own mind if you're helping these people you're giving them aid and comfort they are here to destroy this country well, fine we're going to try if they hired the law firm then everybody in the law firm is going to be tried for treason oh sure try that a few times and see how many See how many people you're going to have. Oh, we'll back you up when you get charged with treason. You know, and like you say, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean the receptionist and the janitor and, you know, even a lawyer who wasn't involved in the case is going to be found guilty. However, but, but they might. Let's find out. Let's find yeah, out no. what you did. Let's yeah. just ask. And I guarantee questions. it'll definitely. <laughs> I mean, that attitude would. 
it would certainly increase the pucker factor for anybody who's an attorney who says, wait a second, I'm not getting into it. I'm not defending people that are here to destroy this country. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to touch this. If these people are, if they are illegal, they're going bye-bye, and I'm not going to help defend them. I'm not going to stand up and be tried for treason myself. They're on their own. And I don't have a problem in, in treason for a while. But the country needs some treason trials, and we have let people get away with it and get away with it and get away with it. We are looking at Hillary Clinton running for public office. There, God only knows how many crimes, and not just crimes. It's not like she's just a shoplifter who's <laughs> running for the White House. Uh, the woman has been involved in treason. When she's taking money from foreign entities for her public, for her Clinton Foundation to perform certain acts on behalf of these foreign entities, it doesn't take much intelligence to understand that virtually all of these acts that she helped to, to cause for money, they were contrary to the best interests of the American people. And she did it through the State Department. I understand. I office. think it might be part of the reason she didn't really make a big fuss about not being president the first time she ran against Obama. Yeah, she can make more money. You know. She can make more money running the State Department. That was the racket. Obama, he gets to play golf and go on these expensive vacations, take his wife and spend <laughs> a couple hundred million dollars on a vacation. All right, that's cool, but <laughs> how much did how much did Hillary make in the State Department? You know, the last show on... Uh, Pastor Hoover mentioned a number that the the Obamas, just in their in their personal expenditures that the yep. taxpayers have paid for, yep. is two billion dollars. I wouldn't be surprised. And Michelle is just shameless in the way she spends money. Two billion, and he's dollars. not. He did Obama. He's flying around to play play golf any place they can find a. Sure. A patch of grass with a hole in it. But $2 billion. I understand. That's a lot of it's money. It's not there. just a lot of money. It is an embarrassment. It's shameless. Why didn't somebody in the Congress, in the Senate, in the courts, why didn't somebody put an end to this? How the hell do you get some jackass in the White House who can spend hundreds of millions of dollars on damn vacations? Well, yeah. Uh, and not his own money. <laughs> it's insane. And we just sit back, oh, well, he's president. He gets to do it. No, he doesn't. He's been hired to do a job. He is the chief bottle washer for the government of the United States, and he's not washing any bottles. And he gets, here's your salary. That's what you get. All right? If you want to take a vacation, pull it out of your own, pull it out of your own uh, bank account. Don't come to us and say, oh, we need to go. I, I can't play golf here in Washington, D.C. I've got to go to Hawaii. <laughs> Who knows where? I, I have no idea how many places he's played golf. But I'll bet he's played I mean, more everywhere. golf than he's played president. Well, I bet he's better at golf than he is president. Well, that's not hard to do. That's that's an easy that's an easy bet to win. Um, let's move along here. I've got a section section on fraud sites that's down on page nine of the document. Page nine. Let's see. Uh, let's start going talking about some fraud. How do I... Oh, I see. There's the numbers. Right. Page 9. Uh, fraud sites. Got it. Yep, that's it. Got a series of sites. We're going to read these and comment on them, and they take wherever they take us and whatever. I want everyone to understand 
But just because we're reading these doesn't mean that they are accurate. We believe them to be accurate, but we, I have not verified that every one of these sections of text is in fact included in the case that we're quoting or that, that we're citing. And I can tell you that I, I actually, a couple of years ago, I got hold of a document that had, I don't know, might have been 20 or 40 case sites on it dealing with some subject or another. And they'd been, I'd seen that same document passed around for 10, 15 years in the Patriot community, probably 20, eh, 15, 20 years, something like that. And I'd seen that document, and every, oh, quote this and that, we quote it in our cases and where people have, I didn't exactly, but I was aware of it. I saw that document all the time, and I actually sat down and said, okay, let's check these out. And I, I started looking, they were dealing, I think they were dealing with the subject of sovereignty. I don't remember for sure, but you can bring up the case on find law, for example. It doesn't cost you anything. You can find the case on find law, and you can search just by hitting the control F, control G, and you'll get searched for whatever term or terms your words you're looking for. And you look for sovereignty, for example. Hey, I'm pulling up these cases, and I would bet out of, say, 20 cases that I checked, half of them. The word sovereign or sovereignty did not appear in the case, right? It wasn't just the, it, I mean, it wasn't even there anywhere in the case. The case had nothing to do with sovereignty. And this thing had been banging around for 15, 20 years. And the point I'm making is anytime you want to, you want to reference a section, uh, some text out of a case, you don't want to trust me, Frank, anyone else, any documents you have, you need to verify this for yourself. If you don't, you're taking a certain amount of risk. And I know people are busy. You get into these lawsuits, you got more than you can handle. But just the same, you need to verify if you, you rely on a particular case site and particular text and statement of principle, you need to verify it's true. All right? So I believe these, I, I, you know, I'm not telling, we're not giving you anything here that we think is false or we have reason to believe is false, but just the same. You've got to do it. You've got to have to check this out for yourself, and maybe if it's something you want to use, check it for yourself. Here's the first one. It says, silence can only be equated with fraud where there is a legal or moral duty to speak or where an inquiry left unanswered would be intentionally misleading. This is allegedly from the case of U.S. versus Tweel, T-W-E-E-L, 550 Fed Second, 297, 299. Also, U.S. versus Pruden, P R U D D E N, 424 Fed Second, 1021, 1032. Carmine versus Bowen, it says 64A, 932. I'm not sure what that means. I, uh, well, I've, I've, I've heard of the Tweel case. Many, oh, I have many, too. I've heard of Teal. I've heard of Pruden. Um, the question is whether it really says. If this is accurate, I th I'm inclined to believe it is, but silence can only be equated with fraud where there's a legal or moral duty to speak or where an inquiry left unanswered would be intentionally misleading. You know, what What, what makes me wonder about this, and I'm, I guess I'm pulling, I, I'm channeling the Clinton Law School here, because who gets to... What the meaning of is is? <laughs> no. Uh Okay, silence can only be equated with fraud where there is a legal or moral duty. Who decides if there's a moral duty 
penny. Well, it's one of the things if you want to make, if you want to charge the silence, someone's refusal or failure to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. If they want to argue that that constitutes fraud, what this tells me is first you have to establish that this person has a legal, you have to expressly claim that, that Judge Smith, attorney so-and-so, police officer Smith, had a legal duty to speak and answer my questions. Mm-hmm. And yet he remains silent. But you've got to establish that legal duty first, or you have to establish that moral duty first, and you make that claim. He had a moral duty to me so to then, speak and answer this question, but he remains silent. Okay, so if you can prove the legal or moral duty, then the silence equates with fraud. Well, actually, doesn't it work more like, well, a legal, a legal duty is easy. I mean, it either is or it isn't. It's written down somewhere. Yeah. A moral duty... If I claim you have a moral duty to tell me and you didn't, so I'm charging you with fraud, yep. and then you say, oh, I don't have any moral duty, the burden of proof has now shifted to you. I don't know that it has. Because it's once not. I claim you have a moral duty to speak, you now have expressly to... Claim. Right? Expressly claim. Expressly claim. Sure. i got to say, you do have a moral duty. Those words, you have a moral duty to speak. How do you get, and I'm not even sure that moral is entirely the only word that you can use here, but what establishes a moral moral duty? I'm not sure. Well, it won't be a contract. No, it won't be a contract. It's not coming from the law. We're going to presume that a legal duty is expressly spelled out in the law. All right, that's relatively easy. Moral duties are probably fiduciary obligations. Well, I won't say that, that's the only answer well, that would to be that. one. The question was that, but that's one of them. I think and that the would be one. The idea is you have a trust. The, is there's an implied trust relationship. I trusted you. You didn't answer my questions. It created damages for me. You are liable for fraud. Well, and I think anybody could use this with any representative or senator or any, you know, oath, any government, what, what do you call them, agent, that employee, has taken, officer, agent. That has taken an oath that, hey, you have a moral duty to speak. Yep. You're the fiduciary. I'm the beneficiary. Yep. I'm asking you a question, and you have a moral obligation to answer me. And I'd like to see them argue against that. No, I don't. Well, the, well they may be able to. They may be able to sit up and say, I never assumed. They may be able to say, I never assumed a fiduciary obligation in relationship to Mr. Stefan. Oh, really? Let's go uh, check your... Oh, well, it's, it's a debatable situation, particularly if these aren't written down. I mean, these moral obligations. You're talking, you're specifically talking about an oath. They've taken an oath that creates a moral liability on their well, part. Moral and, oh, okay, on their part. and here's the thing. What else could they be talking about? Because, okay, legal is legal. It's written down. It's in the law. Moral, well, what is that? Well, wait a minute. It could be an implied trust relationship. It it could also be anybody who's taken an oath for a public office. I I agree with you. What is an oath? It doesn't have to be. It could be. I think it is, and I think it does have to be, because what is an oath? Okay, so they take these oaths. Well, where's the punishment? There's no punishment. There is no oh, and if you uh you know, if you don't do your oath then then you're in trouble and here's your punishment. Because they violate their oath day in and day out, and nothing ever happens to them and never has for many, many, many decades. Why do you suppose that is? Well, because I don't think there's a legal obligation 
associated with the oath. I think the oath is completely a moral obligation. That might be. I, I do. I really do. I believe the oaths, the laws are the laws. Look, we got a law right here. You're not allowed to accept bribes. Unless we call it lobbying. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But political campaign contributions right. are okay. From lobbyists. That's an That's expression. $100 bills are an expression of free speech. That's right. The That's okay. Supreme Court has said so. But money, currency is an expression of free speech. Free political speech, you can give all you want to your congressmen, senators. See, but we got, we got these laws here. You're not allowed to take bribes. You're not allowed, you're not allowed to, uh, you know, you're not allowed to go out and buy uh well, I guess you are, but you know, you're not allowed to buy prostitutes. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. There's all these laws, and they apply to these people, too, who took oaths. And when they violate them, we've seen it many times. Oh, he got caught with a prostitute or a little boy or a little girl or whatever. Oh, ew, he has to resign, right? Maybe. Okay. okay. So that Get happens. another job in Montana so that supervising ha- the minors or something. So that happens. But then we have this oath. Oh, I promise to fulfill my duty to the best of my ability and all this other crap, right, that they don't do. Now, what is that? Well, what if I don't do it to the best of my ability? Who can prove that? Yeah, well, I understand. That, a, that oath has so much wiggle room in it to the best more, of my ability. All you got to do is say, well, I, I don't know nothing about birthing babies, Miss Scarlett. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just butterfly not that Butterfly McQueen defense, and what are you going to do? I'm just not that able. You know, well, that's it. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, I was real able when I took that oath, but that was back in the days yeah, of my youth. Now I'm uh, now that I've been in here eighty years. Well, you yeah, know, I'm in my dotage now, but, and I'm not I'm not as able so as what, I once was. So what the oath comes down to, and plus there's evidence that when you take an oath, or back in the day when they took an oath, you put your hand on the Bible. That's morality. That's a moral obligation. You are taking that oath and. You abiding by that oath is not a legal obligation. It's a moral obligation. And I think that's why this court did, put this in here for fiduciaries and, and that oath, you know, for public, uh, whatever you call them. Well, there's public, there's certain is, values that is, you have in every culture. It's a mean, fiduciary. You know, once you take that oath to uphold the Constitution, yeah. you are a fiduciary now. I understand. And, and okay, so there you are. And then, oh, and I promise to do this and that and the other thing. Well, what if you don't? Nobody's going to throw you in jail for it. But you had a moral obligation to fulfill that oath. Well, I think what it comes down to is, I don't know if it's a, well, yeah, it is, but we're talking about fraud. fraud. It says silence can only be equated with fraud where there's a legal or moral duty to speak. Right, because we're if I don't have. saying somebody's got to talk to you, and if they don't, if you can prove they had an obligation to speak to you and they did not, it implies to me, I mean, it, that you're not going after the court, you're not going after the, uh, the system per se, but you do have to go after an, a single a person in their individual capacity mm-hmm. who, after you've established that they have a legal or moral obligation to speak to you. And if they don't do it, their silence can be equated with fraud, particularly when you've been suffered some damages and the rest of it. Um, but one of the other parts about this says, or where an inquiry left unanswered would be intentionally misleading. <clears throat> As you know, I've been advocating this notion about notice and right of inquiry. Right. All right. Where if they send you notice and everything I see that they send 
appears to be a notice. That's how it all starts with a notice. And my research indicates that they, when they send you a notice, because the notice is not complete, doesn't give you notice of all relevant facts and law. It only gives, according to the law, I'm able to understand, they only have to give you sufficient notice to put you on inquiry, meaning that we're going to send you a notice, and you're going to say, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. All right? But if you don't say, what the hell are you talking about, then it's presumed that you have agreed with the terms of the notice. Yeah. It's presumed that if you stand up and say, you're all going to burn in hell because you believe this, that is a great in response to the notice. That is evidence you have received sufficient notice. If you say nothing, it is deemed that you've received sufficient notice. Once you have sufficient notice, they take you to the opportunity to be heard under procedural due process where you will be found guilty about 98% of the time. Well, and they presume, if you don't say anything, that you understand. That's right. That's right. And you're willing to go along. You got it. You understand what the notice is all about. And the truth is you well, because don't. because if you didn't. And probably even can't. If you but you do have a right of inquiry. Sure, because if you, if you didn't understand... Surely you would have asked us some questions. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. If you make statements, it's presumed you already understand. They don't care what you say. You can tell them you're all going to burn in hell. <laughs> well, if yeah. They don't care. That's fine, just so long as you don't ask questions. But my reading is now, if I've asked questions, and I have in a number of instances, and they just seem to fold up their tents and go away. And I, I think and, it'd be good advice uh, or good thought for people to think about when you do write these notices, you know, I mean, uh, inquiries to notices, you know, you get something and you go, okay, well, what's this about? And you come up with whatever questions you want. If you want to do lots of questions, do lots of questions. If you just want to do five, do five. But I think adding on there, letting them know that, oh, and by the way, you know, you have a legal and legal and moral duty to answer my inquiry, and if you don't, it will be intentionally misleading. Yeah, point it out to them and say, Look. Be able, "Yeah, do you understand? Yeah, do you, if you don't answer to this, um, it will be intentionally misleading in the sense that maybe you think I, you don't, I don't know." There's a, but they're giving you words here, and if you can use these with a certain amount of, you know, and basically the way I'm starting, to, I'm starting to get this you know, notice an inquiry, and now with this, kind of like in my head, like, uh, uh, oh, well, now I lost what I was going to say, but it's like... Well, it's creating liability for people. If this is valid, if silence can be equated with fraud where there's a duty to speak or where an inquiry left unanswered would be intentionally misleading, if you can establish, I sent 20 questions to the Secretary of, the Secretary of State, if they didn't answer those 20 questions... In response to a notice I received from the Secretary of State, then they have not answered an inquiry. And that now, can I prove that's intentionally misleading, at least in relationship to U.S. versus Tweel? Can I well, prove it's intentionally misleading? I have to create that evidence probably. Do you understand one of my questions? Do you understand that if you don't answer my, my, my questions... Uh, your silence will be intentionally misleading. I know what I was um, going to say. And do you understand that according to U.S. versus Twill, silence uh, can be equated with fraud where there's an inquiry left unanswered, and that would be mis intentionally misleading. Once you can start to create this, then some people are going to sit there and say, look, I don't know if this guy's right or wrong, 
But it looks like he could have an argument here that maybe I'm guilty of fraud if I don't answer his questions. So why don't we just let his case disappear? Yeah. That's happened a couple of times. In the interest of justice. Oh, yeah, in the interest <laughs> of justice, yeah. You know, I, what I was going to say before I lose it again, is this whole inquiry for notice and all this stuff, it, it kind of reminds me of counterclaiming. You know, because it's like, hey, here's a notice. And most people get a notice from, you know, any of the scary organizations, you know, IRS, whoever else. You know, oh, my God, oh, geez, oh, man. You know, they don't take it as this is just a simple notice. They take it as it's set in law, and this it's is a, not. It's really, it's really, they say it's a notice, but it's really more of a question. They're essentially saying, do you agree with this? Yeah. They're, do you agree with this? They're throwing their hook in the water. Yeah. You know, yeah. is what they're basically doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then there's your chance to say, like a counterclaim, oh, okay, I see you sent me a notice. Hey, I don't get any of this. I have questions. Uh, apparently, you want something or, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. from me, uh, so I need to understand this. And, oh, by the way, you know, if you don't answer me, it's intentionally misleading me. And it's a violation which, of procedural due process. Which is fraud. Which, do, well, do, do you understand? And then one of my questions is, do you understand that violations of procedural due process will deprive the court of jurisdiction in this matter? Yeah, that too. See? I, so now you got a situation. Look, if you've got to answer my questions or you're guilty of fraud and um, the no court. No jurisdiction. <laughs> you can't take this to court unless you've answered my questions. No. Uh, this, the only this, court you'll see this is. Has worked, this has worked uh, for me on two occasions with the IRS. It's worked with a friend of mine. On uh, He's had repeated. It was one instance, but they sent him notice from Austin. He owed him some money, the IRS, or at least they claimed he did. And he wrote, he gave him five questions. And they weren't particularly profound, but he gave him five questions. And didn't hear any more from Austin. Then the next thing he knows, he gets another inquiry. He gets another notice from IRS office in Pennsylvania. They say he owes X amount of dollars. And he sent him the same five questions, didn't hear from him again. Well, this went on where he got, he received notices from something like a dozen or 15 different IRS offices before they finally stopped. But what was happening, somehow, as soon as he sent those questions to one of the IRS offices, it just stopped all proceeding against him, and they passed this off to another IRS office and let Mikey do it. Let's see what Mikey will do with these. Maybe he can get something. They 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 backed off when they got the questions, and they just passed this thing around no, until they know. finally said, forget it. You know, that's a cute little game they play with the different offices and stuff. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I think a simple, oh, and by the way, you know, when you, you might, you know, people may want to consider this. This isn't advice, but it's just an idea that, and, and I am taking it myself into consideration that in your first notice, from whatever office it is or whatever, yep. you know, when you do your questions and do whatever you're going to say, or, you know, question. I, I don't suggest people say much of anything, but ask questions. But also make sure they understand that, listen, uh, you know, notice to agent is notice to principal. So I don't care how many different IRS offices you send me notices to. Until you answer these questions, yeah. you got nothing to say to me because you're all the same. 
You're all the IRS. I don't know if they are. You know, there are times when I came to wonder when my friend, he received a dozen or 15 of these notices from offices all over the country. And I begin to wonder if these individual IRS offices aren't more like a franchise (laughs) than they are uh, agencies of the singular almighty Internal Revenue Service in Washington, D.C. Yeah, but if you sell me a hamburger at McDonald's that comes from McDonald's and it poisons me, uh, guess what? Corporate's going to be paying me. It doesn't matter what McDonald's I bought it at. It's a McDonald's hamburger. If you're sending me notices on IRS, uh, you know, uh, letterhead, you're IRS. I don't care what franchise you are. Notice to agent is notice Well, to I'm principal. just speculating. I don't know what the truth of the matter is, but it was odd. Well, and they moved this around. I'll bet he got a dozen, 15 of these at least. I think they and do it to try to trick us, to try to wear us. Oh, yeah, to, to see if they wear you out. If you, if you fail to respond to any one of them, they're going to say, ha, ha, now we can proceed against you. Well, and, and, silent. And, and my point is, oh, no, you don't. I already responded to the I IRS. get that. And, I get that, but a, still, you're dealing with people with guns and clubs and the rest of that sort of thing. And once they get the marching orders to go get so and so and haul him in the slammer, you're going to have a difficult time of it. Well, sure. It may take you a year or two to prove that you uh, that they've made a mistake, and you should be well. When it comes you to guns, be uh, guns and clubs, see, I got guns and clubs too. I won't be going for a year if that's their response. I mean, we can. We can sit and send love letters back and forth to each other for now until the sun explodes, you know, and that's fine. But you send somebody in my house with a gun, and I'm going to react with extreme prejudice. And there'll be no more talking. And I'll probably be dead, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, I mean, you know, I... I Well, the thing about it is we're going to hope that doesn't happen, but if people are prepared... Again, my experience on this, and I can't tell you it's God's truth, and I can't give you legal advice on this. I'm just saying this has been my experience. I've seen it work for other people. You get a notice from the government. If you understand how to write, how to pick it apart and say, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Do you agree with such? Do you understand such and such? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? If you can, once you develop this talent, Mm -hmm. you can take these pieces of paper apart and now... Maybe nobody has to get shot. Right, right, and that's true. I, and that's why maybe I, you know that's why I answer these things. There's a, I don't you know oh, yeah. I answer them once though. I don't I don't go for this whole you know it's like <laughs> it's like the guy you know the, the the local guy. It's like okay, I have your records now, and uh, you know if you have any questions, oh okay, good. I don't have any questions, so you know that's that. Well, records yeah. can disappear. One of the things about it is when they send you multiple notices, and especially if it's coming from several different locations. I mean, part of your question, do you understand that I've previously received a notice virtually identical to this one on such and such and such and such a date? Do you understand that I ask the same questions I'm asking on on Exhibit A as a list of the questions I pose? Do you understand that I have not, that uh, the first entity did not, answer my questions. Well, what I'm trying to say is you can use the second and the third and the tenth document that they've sent to you as an opportunity to create evidence. Well, yeah, I also... They've already, they didn't answer request, they didn't answer number one, they didn't notice number two, number three, number four, they haven't answered my inquiry ever. I've sent five, five sets of these questions and nobody answers. 
Do you understand Well, that? and after telling them that, hey, I've answered, you didn't answer, you've got a moral oh. duty to, to answer me. Oh, and do you understand the legal concept that notice to agent is notice to principal? You know, maybe that well, will stop the letters. Maybe they'll go, oh, geez, you know. <laughs> but you're not sending them notice. No. Do you understand? Yeah, I'm asking questions. I'm not the sending concept. them. I am responding to their notice. Sure. Their notice to me, I'm not understanding how you are applying notice to agent is equal to modus, notice to principal. I, I recognize that, that that's true, to ask, but I don't, understand, I don't understand how it applies, how you think it applies in this particular Okay, so you, so you get a, a letter from the IRS, a notice. So you ask yep. your questions and you send it in. And, of course, they don't answer you. And some other office sends you almost the same notice. Well, you ask them almost the same questions. And then I think another question with that, along with the question, do you understand that, uh, you know, uh, left unanswered, this will be intentionally misleading, which is fraud. Also, do you understand that I have answered these questions? I have asked these questions of the IRS. And, and you're done. saying I've answered, even though I asked the questions of the office in Austin, Texas, the answer, the response should apply to every, exactly. uh, every any entity under. Okay, I see what you're talking about. Right. And do you understand the legal concept of uh, notice to principle is notice to well, the only uh, thing about agent. it is this. You're not sending them notices. They're sending you notices. You're sending them letters of inquiry. Yeah, but it's... Part, right. you know, so I don't can... know. Is it notice to principal and notice, notice to agent is equal to notice to principal, but technically you're not sending them a notice. You're well, sending Bob, them a letter of inquiry, although you could put a cover letter with it. And technically, right, though... Where you say, well, here's, you know, I just want you folks to know that... Uh, I've already asked, asked these questions on three previous occasions, and nobody's sure. answered them yet. And but here they are. Here's your question. This is my letter of inquiry. Now, because I think it is relevant, the notice, you know, notice to agent is notice to principal is relevant because your letter of inquiry would not exist if there had not been a notice first. It oh, all them. started. It's in, their notice. It's their notice. Yeah. Well, it came from the IRS. And yeah. I I had questions. You didn't answer. Yeah. You know, this is all part of their notice, yeah. which, you know, the whole thing is, look, you, you, on behalf of the IRS, sent a notice. I sent to the IRS questions. Did you send it to the IRS, or did you send it back to the agency that sent you the notice in the first place? Well, and what I'm getting here, what I'm getting to is this. A friend of mine, it just now occurs to me, he had something like, Again, a dozen or 15 different offices sent him paperwork, and he just sent the questions, and they just never heard from him again. All right? But what if he had sent, after that first notice that he received from Austin, and he sent them a five questions, made his letter of inquiry, sent it off, what if he'd also sent an identical letter of inquiry to the main IRS office in Washington, D.C., not Austin. Yeah, that'd be a good thing, I think. I think it would be a necessary thing. I think that may have been, that may have been something that was overlooked, and I have a hunch that if it had gone directly to Washington, D.C., it might have blunted the other 14 offices from, 
I'm sending a, a similar document. Well, yeah, because now you you have all <coughs> now been you noticed. have you have all been you know you are all under inquiry. Yeah, all of you. If yeah. we if we don't want to call it notice, then you're all under inquiry. You yeah. operate as a unit. You know, and you have separate yeah. things. Look, I can smack you with my... Now, life. you can come back, Mr. IRS, man. You can tell me that you're running a separate franchise or something <laughs> like that out of Austin or Pennsylvania, That's and you're true. not really part <laughs> of the uh, real IRS out in Washington, D.C. I don't know if yes, you want to do tell that. me that. Tell me. <laughs> yes, tell me. That. You know, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, but the thing, my point about it is, look, I can take somebody and slap them with my left hand... And they go, what the heck are you doing? And I can go, oh, well, that wasn't really me. That was my left hand. See, this is over here. I got another hand over here, my right hand. See, it didn't hit you. They're different. No, they're not different. They're all me, okay? And if it says IRS at the top of their their letterhead, it's the IRS. I don't care what building they're in, where they're at. And they can, and, and like you said, okay, fine. If you're all independent operators out there, just tell me that. Yeah, just tell me. <laughs> tell us all that. That's all. Oh no, no, we got nothing to do with those people in Washington D.C. We're we're just out here collecting some money on our own. Hey, I think I'll get myself some letterhead too, then. Because if get that's yourself a, an outfit and be an IRS agent if, too. If that's how it works, well, gee, okay. I didn't realize that this was so easy. Yeah, it's just and and that's part of the game. I think it's that there's a lot of things that they're just not going to, true or not true or whatever, they are not going to address because it's too close to the truth or the truth. You know, I I mean, even if it's close to the truth, I don't think they want to go anywhere near it. You know, I understand. That's the problem. There are some things, again, there's some questions that you can ask, and we've done this. I know it works from personal experience, but I think they they just go away. They don't want to talk about it. It's like saying I have pictures <laughs> of the of the judge having sex with a goat. Well, that case tends to disappear. Yeah. Because the judge doesn't want those pictures to come out on the record. And if you have other, that's that's just a you know a hype, a kind of a funny hypothetical. But what I'm getting to is, if you have things that they really, really don't want to talk about in front of a jury, and you can raise those issues, there's a high probability that they will dump the case. No, not a guarantee, though. No. If they really decide, we want this guy. You know, you've got well, then you got a here. problem. You've got something here next on here that's Murdoch versus Penn. Yep. This is, man, this was one of the, I, I used this case in a lot of, uh, no driver license, no registration, no insurance yep. uh, charges. How did it work out? Well, they all got dismissed, but, I mean, uh, I don't know if that's what did it, of course, because they'll never tell you. But this is one that when I first found it, it was like, whoa. Yeah. And and people out there probably wondering, what the heck is he talking about? But it's, no state shall convert a liberty into a privilege, license it, and attach a fee to it. Now, the thing about the driver license people got to understand is they're not taking a liberty and turning it into a privilege. They're licensing a privilege. Yeah. You and they're tell, they'll tell you up front. I mean, I've heard cops yeah, say yeah. this, yep. and they seem to have been coached on it. Well, oh, yeah. it's not just, they're not just guessing. 
as saying that the, the right to drive is a privilege. And they're right. And they will insist it's a privilege. Well, it's, the, it's a privilege where? Well, no. To drive is a privilege because well, the driving is a commercial term. Okay. I'll you go know, along with that. You know, but, if you're going to use the my part of the highway and your part of the highway for my own personal profit, uh, I should be licensed. You know, the state should get a cut. I should be the one paying to fix the roads and everything through my fees because I'm yeah. I'm personally gaining off of other people's property. That's fair. That is a privilege. It's, it's a, if I loan you money, if you're engaged in commerce and you're theoretically making a profit, sure, they should I, get a cut. Look, yeah, because they're helping. And, they're helping to generate that profit. And if you're my neighbor and your lawnmower breaks down and you come by and go, oh man, you know my grass is getting. Can I borrow your lawnmower? And I go, sure. Here's my lawnmower. That's a privilege. You don't have a right to my lawnmower, yeah. and I don't have a duty to lend it to you. It's a privilege. Uh-huh. Just like if I go out on the road and start doing business on your part of the highway and, and my neighbor's part of the highway, because everybody's got a little chunk of this highway, right? And, you know, I'm using it, all of it, you, for my Your game. chunk is where the pothole's located. Yeah, right, it. yeah. We've been meaning to talk to you about your chunk of the highway. My chunk's not even paid. When are when are you going to fix when are you going to fix that pothole on your chunk of the highway? My chunk of the highway is not even paved. But here's the way I look at this. This is Murdoch versus Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. three nineteen U.S. one hundred five, and it includes and Frank apparently he's familiar with this and he knows this phrase or something like it is in yep. the case. It says no state shall convert a liberty into a privilege license it, and attach a fee to it. I agree with that, but I also, my reading is it says it means no state of the union. Oh, I'm sure that's what it actually means, but... And therefore, if they can move you off into a different kind of state, I doubt that they even have liberty in these alternative states, but in the alternative states, territorial, uh, administrative states of the United States rather than states of the United States of America. If they can remove you into these alternative states under Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, the Constitution of the United States, then everything is a privilege. Well, and they are, and you're a peon. Well, that right? makes- you don't have liberty. Liberty is something that's available to sovereigns. Um, you get privileges as a... And, and privileges, who gets privileges in a trust relationship, Frank? Who gets privileges in a yeah. trust? Well, the fiduciary. I think that's true. I don't know it for an absolute fact, but I think privileges are something that are afforded to the fiduciaries in a trust relationship. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a U.S. person, U.S. citizen, I think you're deemed to be a fiduciary. You get privileges, but they can take them away anytime right. they want. Well, right. This benefit. is not you. Oh, I've got a privilege. Oh, you're a peon. You got a privilege. You're a sharecropper. But you're a serf. You're a slave. Well, they that, give you a privilege. That, you know, we're going to let you that's hey, true. eat dinner in the big house tonight. You know, but, privilege too. But then we go back to what we were just discussing about how there are some things they do not want to discuss. Yeah. And this is one of them because if you yes. come out and say, "Hey, listen, no state shall convert a liberty into a privilege, license it, and attach a fee to it." Then, That's it. You know what? Come on out and tell me. Oh well, 
That's true, except this that is really a state. <laughs> that's right. But tell me that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mind if you do. No. Because if you do tell me that, what's the consequence of this not really being a state of the union? Oh, man. It's... They don't have any authority over you. Right. I don't think they have any authority over you unless you are within a state of the union, and there there's only limited authority. You get into these alternative states, which we believe sure. to exist, um, these territorial administrative states like TX, yeah. Texas, or state of Texas, as opposed to the state of Texas, or uh, <laughs> you've got these privileges, they can license it and attach a fee to it. What are, We talk about driving as a privilege. What's another one? Uh, well, practicing, practicing law. law. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's one. Yeah. You know, a hundred years ago, if you wanted to be a lawyer, all you had to do is you can sit down and read the law for a while and hang out a shingle and uh, say you're a lawyer. Yeah. If anybody wanted to hire you, they did. That's all. Yeah, and if, and the if word, all you knew was traffic law, that's what you knew was traffic law. And if the you word got around, and if the word got around that hey, this guy got me off of the, this thing, yeah, then you uh, may get more business. You're going to be a and if the word lawyer. gets around, this guy couldn't litigate his way out of a you know a wet paper bag. You're going to become uh, a dentist. You're going to be uh, <laughs> you're going to be back to being a cow puncher. You know, but you know, the point is, it doesn't matter sometimes if you got everything. I, you got that's the, right. That's you got, right. You got the right. bank account. You got the Social Security number. You even think you're a U.S. person. Okay, but if you go in there and bring this up, they are not going to want to tell you, yeah, but this isn't really a state. See, they're not going to want to go there. No, I know. They can't. And and it doesn't but matter. Assuming we're correct, and it's this crazy idea, but I'll tell you, we've been... Right. This has been banging around since the late 1990s, and it was first started by Paul Andrew Mitchell, writing under the name of Mitch Modaleski. He wrote The Federal Zone, and he was the first one, to my knowledge, to understand that they were running two planes. Well, he put it, right? he put it together. I mean, he put it together in a way that you could go, whoa, okay, I see. Well, I read it, and I didn't get it. I, I, mean, I didn't have brains enough to understand when it was too fantastic for me to believe when I first heard it from him. And it would have been, in fact, probably about 1995, 96. See, somebody came to me and said, oh, man, you got to read the Buck Act. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. You know, because that's what I was into doing at the time was, oh, yeah, the law. I was, I, I loved it. I loved reading it. And it was, so I read the Buck Act. And I, 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 I got a little bit of it, but I really it didn't. I didn't get the whole picture. Okay, it it wasn't clear to me. It was like kind of murky. Like, well, there's something yep. going on, you know, with territories and districts and stuff. There's something going on here, but I'm not sure what, and I don't really understand. And then after I read the Buck Act, some months later, the Federal Zone. I read that, and I'm like, well, here it is. This is it. He put it all together. Now I get it. Yeah, and, and that was you know, <laughs> this is it, you know. It is interesting when you have those moments. All of a sudden, oh my gosh, I get it. Yeah, and then you're going, oh my gosh, I uh, I get it. Holy smokes, we're yeah. in worse trouble than I thought. I know. You know, you know, and some of this stuff that we come to understand, or at least believe we understand. It really is so fantastic that it's hard for us to believe it. It's hard for me to believe a lot of things that I believe are, I believe are true. I don't just go on there and say, boy, this is, this is great. I understand this now. There is still an element of doubt in my mind. I think it's important that element remains because this, some of this stuff is so fantastic. It's 
you don't know what to do with it. How did we get to a point where we the people have been dumbed down so badly that we allowed this to take place? How do we let a virtual handful of people just pervert this government? Well, we've been distracted. Openly, right in our faces. Well, you know, it's not like they were hiding behind high walls a thousand miles away. They're right here in town. Well, it happened the same way it happened uh, with the gladiators in Rome. Everybody was busy watching them while the Senate was going insane. You know, I mean, this is what's happened here. We got, gosh, they only had one Coliseum. You know, we've got Coliseums in every little jerkwater town in America. Mm-hmm. And, they're and even if we weekend. don't, we have TV sets, sure. flat screen TVs. Sure, we don't right. need Coliseums it's anymore. too lazy to get to the Coliseum now. I can yeah, just I sit on the couch. You know, now, here's something, because, you know, we're, we don't have a lot of time left. And I wanted to, because I see this, and I'm like, wait a minute. Have things changed? Because remember, you had mentioned that the Supreme Court said, oh, well, you know, the cop doesn't need to know the law. He's an idiot. He, mm-hmm. you know. Well, mm-hmm. you have one here, Owen versus Independence, that says officers of the court have no immunity when violating a constitutional right from liability, for they are deemed to know the law. Is that changed now? No. Well, I don't know. It says officers of the court. For one thing, I think you're talking about judicial courts. Okay. I'm not sure that this applies to administrative tribunals. Officers of the court, are the officers of the court, does that mean the same thing as a modern judge sitting in an administrative capacity? In a judicial capacity, I'd say that's, I'd say definitely true, but it's not clear to me that it's also true in an administrative capacity. Let me ask you something. I I don't know this. Is uh. Is a judge considered an officer of the court, or is he something else? I don't know. I, I would. I, my first thought would be, yeah, he's he's the number one. That's I think I the lawyers say. are definitely. I know they're sure, officers of the sure court. Sure, they are. I have to assume that the judge is an officer of the court, at least if it's a judicial court, right? A constitutional court of a state of the union. I'd say, yeah, okay, he's an officer of the court. And I might be wrong. There might be another word to fill in the blank and make that description. Well, and why I ask is because judges have this nasty habit of liking to give themselves total immunity. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like this says, no, you don't have immunity when you violate a constitutional right. Yes, but if they are sitting in one of these, if we're correct about this alternative plane, I'll bet they do have absolute immunity when they're sitting there in an administrative capacity within a state of the United States, territorial state, administrative state, I'll bet they do have absolute immunity because the one thing that is missing when you go into these alternative states, they are, they are so far as I can see, they're operating under administrative law, which combines all three powers of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, under one roof, one authority exercises all three fundamental powers of government. I think that when you unite those three powers of government, I think you've created a sovereign. I think that's perhaps a definition. And if it were true, then that judge is sitting there in the capacity of a sovereign, and you are sitting there, you're coming in in the capacity of a subject, and he can do anything he wants to you if you've consented to that particular court. Well, I agree with that, but we're again at that position where they're not going to want to say, uh, well, yeah, I'm an officer of the court, 
And, uh, yeah, I probably, you know, violated that. And uh, But it's okay because we're in, you know, Oz now, and uh, we're not a real state. Yeah, and they're not going to want to talk about that. No, they're not going to want to talk about it. But, I mean, you're going to have to be very clever in the way you try it because you're going to try to trap these guys. And I think a lot you're of going to try to build a wall here and a wall here and a wall here and a wall here. And before you know it, in theory, you got these guys trapped. Where they're going to see that, when you get the first wall up, they're going to say, wait a second, this guy got brains enough to build a trap. Right. And I'll then he put the second wall, maybe the third. Maybe at that point they say, let's get out of here. And the main thing. I think the main thing, too, is do this before you ever get to court. Don't wait. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. I you know, this is why, you know, yeah, they always. If make... you're going to court, you are already pretty much screwed. Well, modern court hearings are pretty much a sentencing hearing. Well, that's true. That's but... pretty much the way they should be regarded. You're not really going to get a trial. You're going to get a sentencing hearing. If you're going to court, you have probably already made some very fundamental errors. It's uh-huh. not necessarily true that you're finished. It's not necessarily true that you can't overcome those errors. But you are already, if you're good, you stop them before you ever get to Well, the you see, and, and that's, that is the ideal situation. But that has never worked out for me. I always send in my paperwork first. Mm. I always make my deals, you know, clear first. But they always make me show up, and then they dismiss it. And I yep. believe what it is. Instead of going, oh, look, this guy's a do-do-do-do, we better let it go. No, they're like, well, you know what? This guy looks like he's got it going on. Let's bring him in here and see if he can dance. Yeah. And if you can't dance, you're screwed. It doesn't matter what kind of paperwork you've seen. Do you have to wear blackface or anything like that when you go in there and do the dance? Well, it depends what you're charged with. But, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but I mean, the thing is, it's like, look, it doesn't matter how good your paperwork was. You can ruin that with a few words yeah, in I know. court. And so, you so, can ruin it by even making a general appearance in the courtroom. If well, you yeah. walk in and you don't make a special appearance to challenge jurisdiction and the rest of that, you walk in and make a general appearance, you have admitted the court's jurisdiction, as I understand it, and I don't care what you said before. So you got to, I mean, ideally, if you can stop them before you get to court, that is the ideal. You know, this is like Sun Tzu. Yeah. All right, if you can defeat your enemy without ever firing a shot, that is the ideal in war. Yeah, it is. But a lot of times you can't. No. You know, uh, as smart as you think you are, you say, there's no, you're going to court, Bubba. See, that's okay. never worked for, I've always had to go. But you know what, now I haven't been for years and years, you know, and I think right. what it is is they do it a few times and realize, all right, you know, we've, we've tried a few different tunes here, and he's got his tap shoes on, and he can dance. Yeah, I know. Okay, right. You can dance, so. This is no fun. But you got to make your bones. Yeah, you've you got do. to go through this in the first place, and you've got to show them that you're prepared to go the distance. And when you do that, then eventually you say, oh, leave him alone. If he hasn't murdered anybody or <laughs> yeah. set a tall building on fire, just get it the hell away from me. He's going to cost us a small fortune. Yeah. Bad for business. He's never going to quit. And it's just going to be bad, you know. Yeah, you know, and that's what you got to do. And and that's the shame in America that, you know, people just, I don't want to fight. Oh, I know. You know, I mean. But it's when you do, when you're willing to fight and you're willing to do the study you have to learn, it's like martial art. You don't learn it overnight. Well, if you're willing to make that effort, all of a sudden you you become kind of a dangerous individual. You know, America hasn't 
been overtaken to the cesspool that we are now because we were beaten by anybody. Oh, yeah. We sat down and just, oh, I don't want to fight. That's right. That's right. I don't feel like it. You know, and now we're here. We're sooner or later, we're going to have no choice. But to really fight, and I'm talking fight with bullets and guns and knives and die and all that bad stuff. If we don't do something, you know, before that, that's where we're going to end up. And and you're not going to have the choice to where I don't feel like it. Well, too bad. Bang, you're gone. Might as well fight now when you can fight with pieces of paper and words than get into a full-fledged, you know, lock and load conflict where people are shooting at each other. Well, this stuff with paperwork is, is confusing and scary and intimidating, but at the other hand, it's a lot easier than getting into a gunfight. No, it isn't easier than it is to get into a gunfight, but it's technically less dangerous. You're going to get out alive. Well, If you get, into, you get into the paperwork, all right, it's a problem, but you get out alive typically. You know, it's a better idea to fight when you can win. Oh, Rather absolutely. than a fight when you don't know if you, you, hey, you might lose. Things have gotten well, so bad, you may lose now. They may kill you. And that, to me, you lose. Yeah, well, if somebody I agree kills with that, you, that's a loss. Here's law. the one thing about it. The government doesn't really want that. Despite all their talk and the evidence to the contrary, and, oh, we ought to be really, really afraid of the government, I'm not diminishing the danger that's there. I don't believe for a minute that the government has the resources to put this whole country into a police state. No, they don't. Not the no, whole country. It's not there. I mean, no. I mean, again, what I, every time I talk about this, I use the same analogy. I'm not even sure if they could do one state. Well, Texas, about the size and population of Iraq, they never really did get Iraq under control. No, they And they would be less it. likely to bomb everybody out in Texas as they did, as they did in Iraq. I mean, I don't think the government has resources to really impose a police state of the sort we saw in Iraq. They can't do that even in Texas, no. or certainly not more. If they could do it in Texas, they can't do it in the other 49. Right, and everybody's time. going to be watching that going, now, wait a minute. And the government, and maybe that we means, ought to go. Maybe we ought to go help Texas. Well, it really means that the government's in big trouble if this thing ever goes to a point where it really starts, people really start shooting. And we've seen something like that. And I'm not applauding, I'm just saying we've already seen something like that out of the Black Lives Matter movement just lately. Seen a few cops have been shot. Um, I guarantee that has to scare the people in the police department. Oh. And I'm not advocating to scare them, that's not my point. I'm simply making an observation. And no, I mean, look at when the... people start shooting back at you, that's when people start generating respect. If there wasn't respect before, wait a second, so and so, I just. just just took a shot at me. Yeah. Oh, well, all of a sudden it's Mr. Smith. I used to just call him Smitty. Now he's turns out he's got a gun. He's willing to use it. That's Mr. Smith now. Well, remember that guy in California, Dornan, Dorner, the guy. No, who, I don't uh, recall clearly. All right. Well, he was the guy down in Southern California who uh, I think he was an ex-firefighter or something, and he got he had some military training in explosives, mm-hmm. but that was it. And he got. He got pissed off about something and started hunting the cops. Yeah. And that shut down like three states. Yeah. Cops were out cops were out in California. Oh yeah, they shot a couple of women who were shooting, driving yeah. around in a van. Shooting that women like del- it might be <laughs> delivering newspapers. They shot these women. Uh, because yeah. oh well we thought it might have been a guy. 
The guy, there's two women in a car yeah. that doesn't even look like his. A van. It was a van, if I recall you know, correctly. And, but yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. how terrified they were. You know, I, well, you that's know. the problem. The police are so outnumbered, they can't really run a police state without the consent of the public. And you know what? For uh, them and to, I mean big-time consent. For them and they're react. not going to get it by pulling out the clubs and the tasers and, and you know what? that sort of thing. For them to react that way shows that they know it. Yeah. They may act tough and big in, in their Kevlar and all their you yeah. know, riot gear and all that stuff, their MRAPs, but they understand inside their head, man, we are completely surrounded and outnumbered. Yeah. If these people decide to kill us all, we're over. Yeah, I know. And there ain't a thing they can do about it. And well, they, they know shoot, it. And they, they, they're well equipped in one thing or another like that, but it's just the same. They can't deal with the numbers you've got here. Dead well, fingers are about no three-tenths of a percent of the population, which means they're outnumbered about 300 to 1. Subtract the elderly, subtract the children out of that. You're still 150 to 1. Uh, yeah, I don't care what kind of rifle you got. You got 150 people throwing rocks at you. Well, you just you can have an automatic. You got a 50 caliber <laughs> machine gun with unlimited supply. You got 150 people throwing rocks or bricks at you. You're going home in a body bag. Yeah, you just did, you may you, get a lot of them, you, but you're going to you get. Got, and you just got rid of uh, grandma and grandpa, and they can shoot rifles. You know, I mean, you're going to shoot a rifle when you're 80 years old. But they can't old. throw bricks. No, That's they the can't thing throw about bricks. grandma and grandpa. They can't throw bricks. No, bricks so a bit much. we're coming to a point where there's going to have to be some sort of a, an accommodation made in this country where the people and the police department start somehow working together again rather than working as enemies. And this is mostly, from my perspective, because of the police department. They have this us-against-them mentality. Yep. And it's contrary to everybody's best interests, especially theirs. Yeah, they got to make up their mind. Are they going to serve and protect the people, or are they going to serve and protect the government? Right now, they serve and protect the government. They are the knee breakers for the mob that runs this country, and it's a dangerous place to be. It is. Because they're the ones. The gov- our problem, your problem, mine, is not really with the cops. It's with the government. Right, but the cops are the thin blue line that's protecting the government from folks like you and me. And that's who and they do protect and serve now. Are no, the, no. are the criminals in government? Yeah, that's what that's what really is going on here. And people understand this. It's not true in all cases. I'm not indicting every cop and this sort of thing and everything the cops do. I know they do some good things and blah 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 necessary things. But there is a line. There's a gray line here, and you can go too far in one direction. And if you do. You know, there's got to be a correction made, and that means requires some humility, some willingness to say, "Look, we screwed up," all right, and some respect for the other side. Or we got to go, ends, Frank. Or it ends badly. Well, yeah. I understand. Anyway, we got to go. I want to thank all of you for listening, Frank. Something you want to say? No, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Uh, I'm Alfred Addis. This is the American Independence Hour. Be back next Tuesday. Good Lord willing. Hope you'll tune in at that time. Good night. From Glen to Glen and down the mountainside, the
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866 866- 
866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com. on my part. I didn't forget that Jay is on now. Jay has no power where he's at, and uh, he cannot do his show this evening because of that. Electricity is one of those things that is pretty much necessary to do this. But, good news for everybody out there. I'll make the announcement. Jay doesn't get to make the announcement, so I do. This is Tuesday evening, August 30th, 2016, about seven minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time. I did run an extra ad there, trying to figure out what to do exactly. But here's the good news. Jay, starting today, but not just right now today, will be on two days a week. Okay? Tuesday and Wednesday, same time, same channel. So if he has power back by tomorrow, which he should... He will be on tomorrow night, and from there forth, Tuesday and Wednesday. Just not this Tuesday because of unforeseen electrical problems. I don't know what it is. That happens here, too. You know, bad deal. Anyway, so that's what's happening. Jay's fine. He's in the chat room. Uh, If you all want to go to TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Jay is in the, sh- in the chat room right now. I'm in the chat room. Other people are in the chat room, too, and you can go in there and chat with all of them, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Or you can call in 800-932-1980. Okay, you can call in 800-932-1980, and you can tell me how much you miss Jay and how much I suck, Okay. Or not. You don't have to say that. You could be nice, and you could just call in, and I'll put you on the air. Anyway, all right. It's not like there ain't plenty to talk about, though. There is that, okay? So, we will do that. Uh, mm, Let me uh, do this here, and I'll be right with you all. There. Okay, let's get to it. 
Media Insider, how about this? Scared for his life after reporting Clinton health problems. He's issuing a warning. I am not suicidal, so if something happens to me... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yesterday, everybody saw the outright censorship on the part of the media outlets like PBS that edited out damaging facts about Hillary Clinton in their interview with the Green Party nominee, Dr. Jill Stein. Then Fedbook blocking a video that exposed PBS for their blatant censorship. Today we see something far more chilling and extremely spooky as a Huffington Post writer expresses fear for his life after reporting on Hillary Clinton's health problems. Wow. Writer David Seaman found a video which received over 3.5 million views to be newsworthy. So he wrote about it in an article for HuffPo, just to find that hours later, after it became the third top trending story at the website, it was deleted, along with another article, and his posting rights were revoked. Wow. This, is an, this incident follows the firing of Dr. Drew Pinsky's show, Dr. Drew on Call on, Headline News Network, which now they call HLN because they don't want you to know it's headline, you know, it's, it's, they don't do any news, all right? Nearly a week after he publicly questioned Hillary Clinton's health. Wow. This is all a story in itself, documenting a pattern of certain mainstream media outlets and social media giants deleting, selectively editing, and altering screenshots and blocking anything damaging to Hillary Clinton during the 2016 presidential campaign season. But after listening to Seaman's video documenting what happened late Sunday night to him, then going through his Twitter feed, we see something far more chilling. Okay, here's his Twitter thing. I don't agree with all of Donald Trump. But not once have I worried he will kill me if I criticize his campaign. Scary times with Hillary Clinton. Yeah. In the video below, Seaman starts by describing his experience, why he spotlighted the uh, video on Hillary Clinton's health problems. Now, how he received no notice before his posting rights were revoked and his articles deleted from the Internet. Specifically the one titled, Hillary Clinton's Health is Superb. Aside from seizures, lesions, adrenal pens, you know, adrenaline pens. Uh, screenshot of the catch version, well, you know, it's down here, but uh, you can't see it. Frankly, after documenting this time and time again, this type of media bias and censorship is no longer surprising. No, it's no longer surprising. Not only that, okay, you have, you have media people defending. The fact that they are absolutely biased by saying, well, we're being Americans by doing this. We can't possibly be non-biased when somebody like Donald Trump is there because, well, he's killed 50 people and he, oh, no, wait, that's Hillary. Well, he got everybody in Benghazi, including the ambassador, killed it. Well, no, that was Hillary, too. Well, he ripped off people in a real, well, that might be him, but it was actually Hillary and Bill and Whitewater. Well, that rotten, dirty, lousy criminal Donald Trump, boy, he's been running drugs through me now. Oh, wait, that was the Clintons, too, and the Bushes. So what exactly has Donald Trump actually done? 
Huh? What has he actually done that's so heinous, so horrible, so terrible, that justifies the mainstream media to be so biased? I mean, honestly, what has he done? Nothing. What has Hillary Clinton done? Oh, I don't have enough time to go through all the things we know about her doing. Not only is she a closet lesbian, which is going to become obvious to everybody out there, and you can all do the Seinfeld thing, not that anything's wrong with that. There is something wrong with that, okay? Yeah, oh, Uma, her girlfriend, has now split from her husband. Everybody can say, oh, well, he's just such a wiener that, you know, look what he did. Oh, really? Look what he did? Look what he did? Okay, fine. Here's a guy who rose to the position of United States congressman. Okay, so he got caught twittering somebody, you know, body parts that he should keep to himself. All right? Okay, we might be able to believe that and say, okay, he's just, you know, he went too far. He resigned. His wife stayed with him. And, okay, fine. We can get that. We can say, all right, that could happen. But then he did it again, and he got caught. Oh, got caught? Gee, let's see. You're Twittering your wiener, and you'd have figured, what, you figured nobody'd see on Twitter? Really? But, hey, he was already not a congressman anymore. His wife forgave him again, and we move on. So he does it again. Okay, where along the line is this becoming unbelievable? That this man could be this stupid. What am I saying? Okay, let me make it clear to you what I think, what my opinion is. My opinion is Wiener is doing this to give Uma a legitimate way out. Because that was their deal all along. She is a Muslim operative. He is a Jew. Okay, I suppose we can believe that because love conquers all, right? Uh-huh. She's not just a Muslim. Her mama is the head of the female version of the Muslim Brotherhood. I've gone uh, through this all in other shows, Uma Abedin's whole family and her whole past. Now, let me ask you something. How, how come she's not wearing a habib? Huh? How come she doesn't have her head covered up with a rag? How come she doesn't have her face covered up when she's in public? Huh? Her mama does. How come she doesn't? And seeing as how she doesn't and her mama does, and they are radical Islam, they have a publication. By the way, that's the family business. How come they haven't disowned her? How come they haven't said, well, you know what, you're no longer part of us because, you know, you run around like a slut. You look like a slut. You look like a prostitute with all that makeup on. You're a lesbian. And, uh, you know, that's against Islam. How come they haven't said that? Has anybody wondered? Why do they allow her to dress like a Western whore? Has anybody wondered? I wondered, and I've come to a conclusion why. Because her family knows that she's lying. That this is her undercover job. 
And the book, the Quran says it's okay. You can lie. You can sin. You can cheat. You can steal. You can kill. You can do anything to the infidel in the promotion of Islam. There is no other explanation for Umar Abedin. Okay? You think on that for a while, folks. Oh, man. So, we're back to, well, what is... Hillary Clinton has a history, a criminal history, a long, murdering, stealing, lying, cheating, treasonous history. What has Donald Trump done? Well, in 1987, he was still talking about, 30 years ago, he was talking about not building up other countries and start rebuilding up America. His tune hasn't changed. What bad things has he done? They say he's openly racist. How's that? Because he wants to stop illegal aliens from invading our country? Because he wants to stop Muslim savages? Have you seen any of the pictures of these plane loads of Muslim so-called refugees? Well, I suggest you go online and look at some of them. You won't see women and children, you will see military-aged young men. How is that? Why is that? Throughout the Middle East, Christians are being executed. How come only 0.01% of the refugees are Christian? Hmm? Anything? And meanwhile... We have this perception from the media that black America supports Hillary, supports Obama, loves the Democrats. Well, you know what? That's as big a lie as the polls are. Oh, but don't believe me. I did this story earlier. I'm doing it again. Because you know what? I rip and tear on these organizations like the Black Panthers and Black Lives Matter and Occupy whatever. You know, and I rip and tear on them because they're mostly fronts and a bunch of jackasses, okay? But, hey, when they do right, they deserve, everybody deserves to hear about it. Just like when they do wrong, everybody deserves to hear about it. Well, the Black Panthers, they call them the new Black Panthers because of the old Black Panthers. Say, yeah, screw you. They're the Black Panthers. Forget the new Black Panthers. I'm sure there's some copyrighted thing from some scumbag from the Black Panthers who says, I'll sue you if you use that, yada, yada, yada. So the new Black Panthers. According to the new Black Panther leader, Quinell X, it's time for blacks to re-examine their relationship with the Democratic Party. X drops a bombshell right on Hillary and the Democrats sharing with us that Donald Trump is absolutely right. The Democrats have been using and abusing black voters for 54-plus years. This is a video, uh, this is what they say here, and I agree. This is a video that we wish that every anti-Trump house in America would take a look at, for it speaks truth from a source that we didn't expect it from. 
Just imagine what America could accomplish under a Donald Trump presidency, backed by blacks, whites, and every race in between, except criminals. And whether you like it or not, if you are in this country illegally, you are a criminal. Your presence here is a criminal act. You don't have to do anything else. I don't care if you're hardworking and love your family. You are a criminal. Time to start realizing this and stop this nonsense with, oh, that'd be racist. That doesn't be racist. You're a criminal. Look, I don't care. Okay, look, just because 90% of the illegals coming across the southern border are Mexican doesn't mean I'm a racist against Mexicans. It just means I respect reality. It is what it is. Just because, oh, maybe I, you know what? Maybe I'd like it better if they were all Guatemalans. But you see, they're not. That's just not reality. It doesn't matter what I'd like. They're Mexicans for the most part. Yes, of course, there's more and more South Americans and Central Americans coming up there and Muslims coming across the southern border, too. But the majority, the vast majority are Mexicans. And the Mexican government is helping them. And the federal government of the United States is doing nothing to stop them. You don't think the United States government could call up the president of Mexico and tell him, uh, hey, listen, Jose, I got news for you. You don't stop these illegal aliens from coming over our border. For one, we're going to start shooting them. And for two, we're going to start shooting you. Yeah, I'm going to send a fighter wing down to your way, and I'm going to bomb you into the dust, boy. Or if you don't want to get so violent and mean, you could just say, hey, uh, guess what? You know all that trade? Yeah, forget it. We're shutting the border, and you're not. We're, we're not taking anything from you. Oh yeah, you know all those subsidies. Yeah, you're getting nothing. Oh oh yeah, you know all those remittances from all your illegal aliens up here. Guess what? None of them are going through. You know how fast this could be ended. Forget make Mexico build a wall. Make Mexico keep their own people in their own borders. Oh yeah. And if I had to, I would bomb Mexico City into the dirt, just like the United States had no problem bombing Baghdad into the dirt, bombing Tripoli into the dirt, bombing Syria into the dirt. They don't have a problem bombing Yugoslavia into the dirt. They don't have any problem going around the world bombing anybody into the dirt, so why not Mexico City? Huh? Oh, because they're our friends. Hey, our friends? You know what? Without the help of Obama and the White House, Syria's not invading the United States. Iraq wasn't invading the United States. Iran isn't invading the United States. Egypt didn't invade the United States. Libya didn't invade the United States. But Mexico is invading the United States. How are they our friends? And Syria is our enemy. How does that work? Can somebody explain that to me? The country that is invading our country is our buddy. Oh, 
but the one uh, doing nothing to us, oh, 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 they're the big enemy. Oh, we got to bomb them into the Stone Age. We got to kill everybody there and remove their president. You know, we got to do all that because they're this horrible enemy that, well, hasn't done anything to us. But, well, we say so. Look, 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 I wrote it down. They're our enemy. Meanwhile, Mexico's invading us, and, and we're supposed to believe they're our, they're our neighbor. They're our friend. Well, that's like me saying, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that, that guy Charlie next door, he's okay. There are, he's my neighbor. Yeah, sure, every once in a while his group comes over and kills a couple of my kids. But, hey, you know, they're my pals. They're my neighbors. You know, Chuck Manson and his family, the neighbors, yeah, they're great. They're, they're my neighbors. Yeah, really? That's Mexico. Mexico, having Mexico as a neighbor is like having Charlie Manson as a neighbor. All right? Anyway, let's get to some other stuff here. And you know what? Here we go. I love this because this, you know... You got to think, folks. You got to look at what these people are doing, and you've got to kind of uh, piece things together because they're never going to tell you. They're going to tell you BS. For instance, according to the New York Times, the leader of the Democratic minority in the Senate, Harry Reid, believes that Russia has set a target to falsify the results of the upcoming November 8th general election in the United States. Really? Why would Harry Reid say that? Okay, let's go back to the stories from before. Donald Trump is filling stadiums full of people. Hillary Clinton can't get 100 people even when she pays them to show up. Now the Clinton campaign has resorted to green screen presentations that, that fake speeches in front of crowds that ain't there. They know this. The Democrats know this. They know, oh, oh, it's a tight race. It's a one-point race. It's a, no, it isn't. Donald Trump is destroying this woman. She doesn't have a chance in hell of becoming president through a fair election process. Okay? And they know it. So now Harry Reid... The minority leader of the Senate is floating that Russia is going to falsify the elections. Are we painting a picture here? Are we setting the stage for Obama, our hero, to come to the rescue of the falsified elections where he signs an executive order saying, I'm nullifying Donald Trump as president and uh, we're going to suspend the elections until at such time we can secure our voting processes, which might take, well, I don't know, how long am I going to live? It'll take maybe that long. Can you see it coming? I can. Because why else would they say this? Oh, and Russia, well, you know, Putin's not going along with the New World Order. And maybe he maybe he wants a New World Order, okay? It's not that I trust Vladimir Putin, okay? Now, I trust him more than I do Barack Hussein Obama, but hey... 
That ain't saying much. I trust him more than I do Hillary Clinton, which is saying even less. But nevertheless, that doesn't mean I trust Vladimir Putin. For all I know, he's got devices on a new world order. It just ain't the new world order these guys want. Because you've got to understand, the new world order is a bunch of criminals. And criminals tend to be, oh, I don't know, ambitious. And ambition, eh, well... It doesn't do real well for cooperation because, you know, you only cooperate with people as long as it gets you ahead. And the minute it stops, you screw them over and throw them under the bus. Yeah, that's how criminals do. And that's what these people are. The New World Order are a bunch of criminals. They're thugs. Common thieves with lots of money is all. Because people got this idea that because they call themselves the elite, where do you think that came from? I didn't make it up. I certainly don't view them as elite. They do. And they told the media, that's what you can refer to us as, as the elite. Well, they're not elite. Okay, they're a bunch of inbreed dimwits, okay? They do the same thing over and over again because it's always worked. They don't have any original ideas and no original thought, and they're not all that stinking smart. And I know that's hard to believe. I have actually had the, well, at the time, it didn't seem like misfortune, but to meet some of these people, they're just, they're, they're not elite. Let me put it that way. They're not all blithering idiots either, but They're not the elite. You can find smarter, more moral, better stand-up people at your local bar than you'll find at a Bilderberger meeting. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. 
American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
All right, we're back. This is Condition Critical. I'm filling in for Jay Shanahan. This is Francis Stephan. I host the Frank Report normally, but uh, Jay is having an electrical outage up in Washington State. So he couldn't be on the show tonight, so I'm filling in for him. However, good news, Jay, this was the week that he was moving to two week, two, two nights a week. Okay, Tuesday, which is today, and tomorrow, which is Wednesday. He will be on, well, if there's electricity in Washington State tomorrow night, he will be on. And, uh, hey, who knows, he may even call in tonight. But, uh, you know, I can't make him. So, it is Tuesday, August 30th, 2016, about uh, 8.39 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. That's when it is where you're at. You know, you can call in, too, 800-932-1980. Or you can go to the chat room. Well, you can go to the website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com, and there... We have a chat room. And Jay's in the chat room, so you can actually talk to Jay. You can talk to a bunch of other folks, too. Uh, they're in there. But, uh, you know, up to you. TheAmericanBoys.com or AmericanBoysRadio.com. All right, let's see. Things and stuff. Uh, things and stuff. Okay. <laughs> Let me move this out of the way here. I'm becoming confused. All right, here we go. Back to Harry Reid. In his letter to FBI Director James Comey, Harry Reid wrote that evidence... Hang on here. ...of a direct connection between the Russian government and Donald Trump's presidential campaign continues to mount... But what evidence is there? Harry Reid is just talking out of his behind. According to Reid, one needs to investigate the circumstances, including any complicit intermediaries between the Russian government, the leakers, and any U.S. citizen. However, the senators did not specify how Russians could manipulate the voting process in the United States. All Harry Reid is doing is setting the stage. Now, he has told the FBI, a United States senator has told the FBI evidence of a direct connection between the Russian government and Donald Trump's presidential campaign continues to mount. Really? I haven't seen any evidence anywhere. As a matter of fact, the last time they claimed that it was the Russians that hacked the DNC, which they said for a full day, all throughout the whole media, turned out the next day, the FBI said, nah, there's no evidence it was the Russians. But that's not stopping Harry Reid, because they don't care about the truth. They're just setting the stage. They're going to say this and say this and say this, to give Obama cover to say, oh, uh, Donald Trump is a Russian spy. Uh, our uh, voting process has been uh, 
uh, destroyed, and I'm just giving Hillary Clinton uh, the presidency. Yeah, there we go. How about that? All right. So it looks like we got a caller. Go ahead, caller. Yes, sir. Frank J. here, Washington. Oh, the hooky guy. Yeah, still no power. So you're Just sitting in the dark. In. Pretty much. Uh, we got some candles going in the other rooms and so forth. And have any idea? Have any idea what it was? Storm or what? Uh, my daughter said they heard a. She heard a train. I wasn't home. I uh, tried to try and get a walk in after work. So before I get to my show, and she called and said and heard a big boom, and uh, the power went out. Like, well, transformer, transformer exploded. So. Yeah. Yeah, we've had Call that the power here. Company, they said about 10 o'clock they'd have it back on, so we'll see. And the funny thing is, and this is how it always works here, across the street, power. Really? And like three houses down on the same side of the street, power. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but it's like, the, I don't know, our grid is, uh, it's like behind us or something, so it's the people behind us and us, and then my two next-door neighbors directly, we, we all, yeah. No power. It's actually kind of peaceful. I mean, I have to say, uh, you know, I could kind of live like this. Uh, it's quiet. Yeah, it's a little dark. Got some candles going. And I have... Yeah, night, night, nighttime's supposed to be like that, you know, dark. It is, yes. And I didn't think about it, because I have a generator. I just didn't think about it. I could have, I could have fired it up and roll it outside of my garage and hooked up extension cords and and what have you, but uh, I didn't think about it. So, yeah, then it would have maybe taken too much time to do all that. No, no, I don't have my generator rigged. But anyway, hey, you're here now. I'm here. You're doing thanks for covering for me, and I will be on tomorrow night, so that'll be something to look forward to there, ladies and gentlemen. I look forward to... I did have some stuff I wanted to cover this evening, but I'll just carry it over and, you know, just move forward. So, yeah. Now yeah, these things happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've yeah, lost yeah. power here. I've lost Internet. You know, I've had all these things happen here. And, you know, when it's just yourself, you can go, oh, well, you know, tomorrow's another day or next week's another day or whatever, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, when it happens here, it's, you know... I start having to think about all the people that are, you know, being let down, all the hosts that are being let down, you know, well, and all yeah, that, you know, yeah. it's a big deal. You, yeah, you have a little bit different situation. And, but I, I got to say, mean, you know, I mean, when, when it happens on the weekends, when it's not really a big critical thing, other than everybody thinks I've been killed, uh, yeah, yeah. that, uh, you know, it is peaceful. It can be relaxing to just sit and go, wow, no lights. No noise, no nothing. It 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 is kind of peaceful. I get and, that, and it's something that, and it's something for people to think about. There's no power, so that means I mean you got nothing. Yeah, if you have a generator, that's one thing. But uh, this this is really something to think about. I mean, I've lost power here long term. Uh, seven eight years ago, the big snowstorm and it knocked power out of you know all throughout Western Washington. Snowstorm, like six days. Snowstorm. You mean yeah. it wasn't the end of the world, or a nuclear attack, or an EMP attack, or or no, something catastrophe storm. like that? It's just a little tiny exactly. snowstorm. Holy smokes! Well, it was quite a, yeah, it was quite a big one, but nevertheless, we didn't have power. For yeah, like six days. yeah, pretty big, but it wasn't a nuclear war or anything. No, no, no. 
You see, this is the thing, no. Jay. Everybody in this country thinks, oh, well, you know, i got to prepare for the end of the world, for the nuclear war, for the AMP, for the martial law, for the this, for the that, for the... Well, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Other things happen, too. A twig can fall and, <laughs> and knock down a whole grid for a couple of days, and it's just the truth. So, And and what I was going to say is it, it does, it makes you think. You've got no power, so are you prepared? Like, yeah, we got candles, and, you know, we have some firewood, but it's summertime, and so we don't need that, and just things like that, you know, and that you can you survive for a day or, or, or two with, without power. Some people can't survive a couple hours. Without power, literally. No, well, they, they can sur- Oh, well, listen, Jay. Come on, let's be realistic. They can, they can survive a couple hours, at least until their iPhone battery goes dead. Yeah. That's that's when they have to commit suicide. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, and and people, you know, I laugh at that, but it's really not that funny because there are people out there that really are are there. If they lose their 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 cell phone, their mobile device. Yeah. Oh man, it's the end of the world. Something has to be well, done. They check and done into now. hotels to get to, to get free Wi-Fi. They they drive to fast food joints and they they do like things like that. It's like really. Yeah. What, that's what people do. What happens when there's nothing even at those places? Exactly. Uh oh. So it does make yeah. Uh oh. Well, you know, so hey, it does make people think. On the bright side, though, Jay. With all those dimwits committing suicide, that'll be just less people to feed. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, I don't know how to respond to that. Glass without half full. Got to always be glass half full. So you got to look on the bright you know, side. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. I mean, that's what I was going to say is when there's less people, you know, less idiots out there because the world is just chock full of them. Uh, right now, we're we're in some bad we're in some bad shape. Uh, Donald Trump's in the state. I was going to talk about that somewhat on my show. He's up in Everett this evening, or was, yeah, giving a speech. And of course, they're making a big deal about it. And you know how they are; they're just going to sure. vilify this guy. So now, uh, let me let he, me you, have you. You've been listening, I presume. What yeah. do you think about this whole? What's your take on the whole? Oh, the Russians are. Uh, you know, Donald, is, Donald Trump's campaign has direct, you know, uh, whatever with the Russian government. Oh, and there there's is no, no, no evidence at all. That. There, there's, there's no basis for it. It's completely unbelievable. I don't, it's completely unbelievable. It, no, I just marvel at it. Listen to, listen, oh, wrote a good article. But he, he ain't done. Listen to what else he said. Harry Reid, that is. Dirty Harry Reid. Recent what a dirt bag. Recent staff changes within the Trump campaign have made clear that the Trump campaign has employed a number of individuals with significant and disturbing ties to Russia and the Kremlin. Now, okay, he's using he is using evidence in his sentence. Recent staff changes within the Trump campaign have made clear. So because Donald Trump has changed his campaign staff to some degree, that mm-hmm. makes it clear that they are Russian spies. Well, it makes it clear to, to people like Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi. I don't even know if they believe it. 
No, they I honestly don't. don't even know if they. No, they don't believe it. They know who's to... doing it. They know they're doing it. They're setting this. And what do you think of my premise that they're setting the stage for Obama to cancel the elections on some pretext? Pretense. Mm. I'm. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm kind of really not there yet. I don't really see that. I, uh, I guess I'm just going to have to take okay. a pass on that All one right. right now. All right, yeah. that's fair. Then let me ask you, why? Why are they saying, oh, Russia's hacking our system. Russia wants to falsify our elections. The Trump campaign is connected to the Kremlin. I think it has something to, to do Kremlin. with Syria. I, I think it has something to do with Syria. We're drilling for some kind of war in Syria. And see, Assad is aligned with Russia and Iran, okay? And we don't like that. We've been one of Assad out of there for, for how long? But see, he's not leaving. You know, he crossed the line into sand, what, eight years ago or seven years ago and when he flipped Obama off and said, screw you, I'm not leaving. And so I think that has something well, to do with Well, why should he? Because the Saudis want a pipeline through Syria to run into Europe? Exactly. That's why it is, because Assad is aligned with the Russians, and the Russians don't want the pipeline because that interferes with their oil business in Europe. So it's all about business. And Assad's yep. aligned with Russia. The Saudis want him out because they want that pipeline in there. That's what hey, it's all and about. He's also, it is. And he's also aligned with Iran. And Iran has always, for whatever reason, been one of our nemesis that we've been trying to kind of pick a fight with, but not really. Our nemesis? And it's the same thing with Russia. You know what? I, I want to be a nemesis of the federal government then because they just got one point. Uh, no, 1.3 and far as yeah. yeah. uh, 7. Yeah. $1.7 billion. I want to be a nemesis, too. That hey, was a you know what? for something. I'll just be a little nemesis. Okay? How about well, a couple... Yeah, I'll just take a small... I don't know. How about a couple million? How about a couple million? Yeah. I'll, I'll just be a pain exactly. in the... Exactly. I know. I won't even be a nemesis. I'll just be a pain in the ass. How about that? I can do that <laughs> for a couple of million. Same here. I just... Hey, I don't want it all. I just need, like, a little sliver. You know? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I it's ridiculous, though. It. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That the people are... That there are actual, and you know what, I have to bring this up again, because a lot of the listeners, include myself, we tend to get it in a bubble, okay? Even though we might go out in the world and have jobs and all these things, we still kind of stick to ourselves and the people that agree with us. Like like everybody. True enough. Like like everybody does, right? And True enough, sure. We don't realize. I mean, we look at Hillary Clinton, we look at the federal government, we go, oh my gosh, how can anybody, you know in their right mind. Well, there are people out there not in their right mind. I went to a liberal website because there was, I followed a link. Okay, I followed a link and it was a liberal website because I wanted to read this news story. So I did and it infuriated me and I, you know, got to the end of it and oh, here's a place to make comments. So I went down there and I, you know, did what I had to do to make comments and I made a comment and one of these liberals got in there, and, and my comment was um, something along the lines that, look, you know, Donald Trump is filling stadiums. She can't even pay 50 people to show up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this and that and the other thing. And I, I had, like, four different things. And this one came back and said, oh, yeah, uh, filling stadiums. How'd that work for Bernie Sanders? Uh, this right. and that. How'd that work for this? Uh, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, okay. I came back, and I said, well... You know, and I went through each one of them with factual emails from Hillary Clinton's own server about how the DNC stole 
the election for Bernie Sanders. And all the other things. I used facts, and I came back. Boom, boom, boom. Well, this one said, well, you didn't answer me. And I, okay, here it is. I finally, and I said, okay, boom. Here's the answers. Here's the facts. Next thing, she started calling me names. Right. So it's like, blah, 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 blah. No. And you give them the facts, and then they call you names. That's how, that's how retarded people deal with facts. They call but you see, the same thing could be, but the same thing could, look, we, the same thing could be said for our side. You know, the right, they do the same thing. You know, you, you criticize Bush or you, you criticize Trump or Reagan, and, and, you know, people on the right do the same thing, which is why I don't get involved in partisan politics and haven't for years, 15 or 20 years. You know, well, when you talk uh, about partisan are, politics, I'm not defending anybody because they're a Republican or, or, or attacking anybody because they're a Democrat. I'm attacking Hillary Clinton because she's a criminal and a liar and a murderer. Right, exactly. But see, they're not, you're not going to convince them. They're just going to be supporters of Hillary Clinton, which makes no sense to me. But you're not going to change their mind. I mean, well, if the Democrats those are the say, kind of people. let's just say the Democrats came up with somebody... Like JFK, you know what? Okay, I'd support him. Yeah, but see, we we you know this is what I kind of talk about on my show is that we don't live in a moral and just society anymore, and things have changed so drastically. Well, so right. drastically the, 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 <laughs> that the Democratic Party would never let JFK in the Democratic exactly. Party. He's too exactly. conservative. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the Republicans probably wouldn't let him in their party. He's too conservative. Exactly. And that's important to point out is that both sides don't really put forth good candidates anymore. They're all bad. They're all exceptionally bad. I've said some are worse than others, but they're all bad, and ain't one of them going to save us. And so we just need to clean house, Frank. You know, that's why I tell people, buy a rifle, get some ammunition, and just be ready, because it's coming. It's coming. I, you know, look, the power's out here, but the power's going to go out everywhere soon for everybody. I, I don't know how much longer they can, you know, keep the, 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 the currency going. I don't know how much longer they can, keep, you know, keep us out of these wars if they even want to keep us out of these wars. They don't. Like I tried to, like I was saying, that you asked me about, the, you know, the connection with the Trump and Russia. That's bunk. We well, have been looking for well, war with you know Russia. For it, how it, long? It may you know, look. I'll give him this. Okay, you've made a statement. Uh, gee, I don't know everything. Maybe it's true. What's your evidence? Oh, I don't have any. I just said it. So therefore, you have to think it's true. No, I don't. Okay. You know, look, here, look, check this out. No evidence whatsoever. Ooh. As a no. matter of fact, you Check know what? Remember when the DNC got hacked and they said, oh, oh, the Russians did it. The Russians did it, right? Right. right. Well, a day later, the FBI said, well, no, the Russians didn't do it. <laughs> right. But, but just on its face, just on its face, just imagine you're a guy in a coffee shop or there's a guy in a coffee shop and, and somebody goes up to him and says, what do you think of this? And what? What sense does it make? What sense does it make for some Russian hacker to, to hack into the DNC, why? 
Because because they all the Kremlin works for Donald Trump, don't you know? Okay, that's see now that's okay. Okay, you already took a big leap and then you went and leaped further. That it just doesn't make any sense. Hey. It's so not they better watch what they're doing. Hey, they don't mind what they don't mind leaping because, you know, it's not the fall that kills you. They're enjoying the fall. Well, well, once yeah, they hit, it's not once, them to die anyway. Once they hit the ground, yeah. oh, and they're going to hit the ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. then it's not going to be so much fun anymore. Yeah, but she wouldn't mess with people that, you know, that the Russians aren't going to play, and neither are the Syrians, and neither is Iran. They're not going to play. Well, you know, what, you know what, Jay, you, you were in the military, and anybody in the military knows better than the, the, the media... And and a lot of Americans got this this really distorted idea that oh pfft, you know we're so big and we're so tough and we're the b- biggest baddest thing on the planet and the Russians ah they're washed up old uh, you know mm-hmm. no they're not they are not they've got special forces just like we do they've right. got tanks just like we do they right. have everything how- we have. And 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 more though, more they well, and they they have actually this whole time when they were supposedly just rusting away, you know, and all that. Oh yeah, they developed their fifth generation air superiority exactly. fighter, while our F thirty five can't even fly, while our F twenty two Raptor got scrapped because it was such a piece of crap. By the time they got the thing built, it was obsolete. It was obsolete, yeah, and it cost like a you know fifty billion dollars an airplane. Well, yeah, but they, you know, hey, that's just nothing. Don't worry about it. Right, right. Don't worry about it. The Obamas have spent two billion dollars in his presidency on personal expenditures yep, that the parading um, around the world. Yeah, that the American people get to pay for. Oh, exactly. Two billion. No, we're in some deep crap. billion. Yeah, billion. I heard that. Can you imagine? I mean, I when I, I heard like that, to. I had to go look it up. I, I would like to imagine. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, it's, it's, Who wouldn't? It's terrible. It's terrible. But you yeah. know what else is terrible? Looks like we're out of time. You're out of time. Well, I appreciate you filling in for me, show. Frank. And, uh, <laughs> and you'll you. be back tomorrow night. It. You'll be back tomorrow night at 8 p.m. So everybody come back yes. then, and uh, you'll be able to hear Jay for the whole hour and, yep, uh, yep. and, and not me. But Jay has to go, and Thanks, so sir. do I. Thanks, thanks for, being, for taking my call. Well, thanks for calling in, Jay. Anyway, so uh, there we have that. And, uh, oh, I guess I'll be back in a few minutes. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. 
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Yeah. 
right, good evening all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Tuesday, August 30th, 2016, almost nine minutes after 9 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, that makes it 9 p.m. You can call in 800-932-1980, okay? And uh, you can also go to TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. I'm slightly discombobulated. Ooh, got to do this. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, I got things going on over here that I forgot to do during the break there. Yeah, I'm a little discombobulated. I uh, just filled in for Jay on Condition Critical. He has a power outage up there in uh, Washington State, but he'll be back again tomorrow night because Jay is now on Tuesdays and Wednesday evenings, okay, 8 p.m., Tuesday and Wednesday. So tomorrow's Wednesday. He'll be here, you know, if there's power and all that, but it, chances are he'll be here. Okay, okay. Well, let's get on it. Well, I'm done with Harry Reid. Dirty Harry Reid. I really do think that he's setting the stage, though. Uh, I asked Jay about it. He disagrees, and many of you might disagree, too. We'll see. Okay? Because, look, about a year ago, Melissa told me, I don't think Obama's leaving. And I said, well, you know, it's possible, but I kind of poo-pooed it because, you know, I thought that about other presidents. I have. I've thought that about other presidents. Well, he ain't leaving. But they always did. And I poo-pooed it. You know, I, I mean, I really, yeah, yeah, it could happen. I mean, I'm always willing to say, well, it's possible. But I don't think so. Well, I, you know what? It's becoming more possible. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. All right? I mean, why else? Why else? The, okay, first off, you try to make, and they've been at this for a while, they try to make the Russians the bad boogeyman. And you know what? You want World War III, they are the bad boogeyman. This country, look, and this is not unpatriotic to say this. Not that I care, because I don't consider myself all that patriotic anymore. I guess I'm patriotic towards the states of the Union. I'm patriotic towards the people, the American people that live in those states of the Union. But I couldn't give a crap about the federal government. They could all die tomorrow. And I would like to say I wouldn't care, but I would care. I'd have a party. I would throw a party if they all died in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. Every last stinking one of them. Because if they're involved in that city, they are evil as sin and committing treason just by being alive. In my opinion. But, the fact of the matter is, while you were all watching Dancing with the Stars, our military has been basically dismantled from the inside out. Sure, you see some things, 
oh, they're letting transsexuals in the military now, and it's okay, they can use any bathroom, because Obama says so. Oh, you can have homos prancing around the barracks now, too, because Obama says that's okay. What do you think that does to morale? Yeah, you can answer that yourself. But okay, morale's not everything. You know, we have equipment, we have uh, training, we have all that stuff, too. Well, okay. For one thing, I am not a fan of the M16 rifle. I think it's a piece of crap. I, I don't think it's... I, I, I think it's great for the shooting range. I think it's just nice if you're going to do competition shooting. But I think in a real-life combat situation, in the mud, in the dirt, in the slime... You don't want that piece of garbage, Mattel little piece of plastic as, as, your, as your only defense. Okay? But hey, it's not all that bad. At least it works most of the time. Okay? But let's move up. Now, you remember the uh, Humvees, right? Oh, we forgot to put armor on them. Oh, who would have ever thought that anybody would put... You know, things that blow up in the road. <laughs> I mean, who would figure such a thing? You know, uh, after you just get done bombing into the Stone Age, the whole population, gee, who would ever figure that the people you just destroyed their homes and killed their family would put blow-up things in the road to try to kill you? <laughs> Go figure, huh? Who saw that coming? Well, they did. And, oh, oh, my our Humvees don't have any armor on them. Gee. Oh, really? How about our body armor? Huh? American company comes up with something called dragon skin. Absolutely superior body armor. But do our troops get it? No. No, 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 no. They don't get it. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because some scumbag retired military officer, general or whatever, got on the board of something that makes this piece of crap looks like it's out of some comic book thing. I mean, it's, it's like really thick and bulky and, oh, it's probably bulletproof. But, uh, you know, you can't move in it. It's ridiculous. And that's what they got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. But let's move on. Let's look at our beautiful, undefeated Abrams main battle tank. Yeah, well, I know something about the main battle tank. <laughs> I, was, I was at Fort Knox when that thing was called the XM-1, made by Chrysler. They couldn't make it work. Well, they could make it work other than, you know... Every half hour, you had to pull over, stop the engine, and clean out the filters. Yeah. <laughs> well, they figured that out. But guess what the problem with that machine is? Because the United States, bigger is better. Okay? Bigger is better. Heavier is better. Ooh, our main battle tank's got to be the heaviest thing on Earth. Oh, well, that's great, as long as you got highways. Try to take an Abrams through a field, you're going to have a problem. Oh, 
I know, lots of you out there, because all you do is look at pictures and you figure, well, that thing's huge. It'll never get stuck. Oh, let me tell you. Yeah, baby, they get stuck. And when those monsters get stuck, they're real stuck. Okay? Let's look at the Russians for a minute. Well, yeah, let's look at the Russians for a minute. Let's go back to the uh, Mattel M16. You know, the plastic play toy that shoots the little 22 bullet. <laughs> oh, but don't worry. It shoots it really fast, so that makes up for it. That's what they tell you. And being a corpsman, we learned about the uh, difference in wounds. Like, see, when you get shot with like something like a 45, it just blows a big hole in you. It's just like a cannonball, okay? It's just boom. It's just... You know, a, a bull in a china shop. That's what a forty-five is. It'll put a big old hole in you and tear everything up right around the hole. An M16 bullet are what they're called as high-velocity missiles. In, in That's what you're taught in core school. And what they do is they spin, and they go really fast. And what happens with them, but they're really small. But what happens is it goes in, and because it's spinning, and it's so small, when it hits anything like a bone or a tendon, it changes direction. You can imagine going in, it could change direction several times. That's why with an M16, you can get shot in your leg and have it come out your neck. And everything between your leg and neck is kind of tore up. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.